0: This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers the toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, boom, headshot. Dan got snipey in Sniper Elite Four. Gaming difficulty through the ages, Andy broke his Mega Man virginity with Mega Man X, got blasted in the backside, and uh, slew some monsters on the side. Girl Guides, hit up dispensaries for big cookie deals, we talk terps, and Marvel vs. Capcom gets snubbed. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only a little bit sleepy, Dank Dan. Andy, do do lemons
1: love lemonade?
0: I don't know, Dan. Is this the start of a joke or a punchline to my life?
1: I just, I mean, I just had that question. I woke up with it. (laughs) Do lemons love lemonade?
0: I mean, I think anything that involves getting squished, juiced, and um, battered together with sugar until you're homogenous is probably going
1: to fall in the negative I mean, like, what is the quest of a lemon? Is it to fall on the ground and rot and return to the earth? Or did it want to take a short detour and through the intestinal track of a young lady named Tiffany? Yeah.
0: Well, the good news is we've got all sorts of lemonade substitutes now. They come in little crystal packets and they require no lemons to be harmed.
1: Lemon free. Lemon Lemon
0: cruelty free. free that's it man that's it ring the vegans i think they have something to say how are you doing dank dan it's been a
1: real shit taco my man this week it's been a real crap regalia (laughs) yeah you've had a you've had a long one eh it's it's been a, a stinker from front to back all right well um on that on that uplifting note from front to back hey
0: eh? that's it just conjures up lots of mental images that i don't want to think about right now but um you want to you want to let us in on a little uh, bit of the uh the debauchery or is that just best left unsaid
1: i mean like uh i can't win i can't win this one so i'm like let's this week i'm like gonna jump back into the gym i feel safe that the uh the Russian january has petered off those that are going to stick with it uh you know, kudos to you. You did it, man. Uh, those of you that fell off, man, get get back on that horse in March. I mean, or better luck next year. Whatever, whatever works for you, man. It's your journey. Um, Some of us so just opted me, out. We pressed it. We pressed opt out opt on the gym out. button. So for me, I, I, I had to return to form. It's been a couple months since uh, my routine fell off the wagon. I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to get back in there. I'm gonna Ooh. I'm gonna get uh, tore up from the floor up. So I go to the gym and I commit a sin that I've committed. My entire gym life, life in this, this, I never locked my locker. Oh, ever. And really? So I never like, and I mean, this extends all the way back into high school. Never locked my locker, and uh, this you're is such been a I've
0: trusting done. individual. It's coming from That's that right. small town Ontario mindset. Right. Um, damn. So I, I imagine this bit you
1: in the ass. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm getting out of the steam room. And I'm I'm putting my clothes back on, and I feel feel a gentle vibration of my phone alerting me to a caller. And uh, I pick that phone up, and it's my bank. Oh, it's letting me know a TD is letting me know that uh, my credit card has been turned in. And I I ask, oh that's odd. Uh, at what location? And She quotes a, a location down Young Street that I'm about six blocks from. And I'm like, oh that's that can't be good. And nah. sure enough, my wallet's gone. And what's happened is. Uh, the uh, vagabond, the uh, rapscallion that has nicked my wallet, has thrown it into a snowbank somewhere, and uh, all that has been recovered is a uh, uh, one card. Now, kudos! Now, let's. Here's the real moral of the story. For every one of of uh, of those uh, dirty pil- pilferers, uh, the violators of trust, there's uh, the a wallet kind, pirates. That's right, the wallet pirates. There is a, a kind Samaritan that saw my card in a snowbank and. And saw it fit to pick it up and, and, and hand it in, and uh, so I did return that. And with some silver, silver tonguing, I also got a new bank card with no ID because I didn't have a, didn't have <laughs> a wallet of any kind. Um, nice. So I mean, oh uh, so Dan, it's been a real, it was a real. Uh, I was, I had the angry face on, and you know it's funny because when something bad happens, you can really. Uh, let that turn you dark inside, and I, in my own little way, this is what darkness is. I had my I had a, a cup of coffee uh, that I bought from a uh, an establishment that we won't promote because they're not cutting us any checks. Not but it yet. Had gone, not yet. It had gone cold, and I'm just drinking this coffee inside my car. And I, it's, it's, it needs to be thrown out. And for a second, I'm like, I'm just gonna throw this thing right on the street. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm fucking like oh, they place. Fuck. I'm just gonna throw it out my window, and then I'm yeah. like, I'm like, no, I'm not that guy. So I, I poured the cold coffee out and thanked my blessings for the, you know, uh, ten thousand days that that no one stole my goods and and uh, remembered that it was just plastic and a well worn wallet. So I will uh, stride manfully into the future to bring light and love into Ooh. the world. Well, bless you. Good on you, Dank Dan. Let, let me ask you though, buddy. Did you have any cash in that bad boy? Now, this funny because Andy, you know how I have a rule, right? If you're I a man, you carry, carry cash. 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 Yep, how much I cash know. do I how much cash do I carry, Andy? Usually like five bills. Usually you Usually got like a about a stiff five twenties in there. Oh yeah, a stiff roll of five. Um, but uh Dank Dan ain't no fool. He puts that in issue because oh. nobody looks in the issue. Man, Dank <laughs> Dan straps it to his hog.
0: That's, That's how right. He gets I, down. I
1: roll those twenties gingerly around my 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 hog, and so then when I hand them over to some courteous <laughs> waitstaff, they can they smell nothing but rich sandalwood. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I'll tell
0: you what. I'm sitting here thinking, like, what a shitty thing to do. Like, you're not even getting cash out of it. You're just grabbing a wallet. Deciding that you don't want anything in it and chucking it into a snowbank like you've just reached the epitome of a shit fondler at that point Like I lost my wallet at the grocery store once had about hundred and fifty dollars of cash in it um, Someone found the wallet in the produce section took the cash and then you know gently put it back where I had lost it So on one hand, I'm like fuck you, but on the other hand, I'm like maybe that person really needed the money I have to tell myself that. And secondly, they at least left me all my ID, all of my bank cards and shit, so I could just go about my day $150 lighter. So, you know, I mean, that that's all right. But I'm thinking to myself, if you were a real criminal, what you would do is you would take that wallet, you would take that credit card, you would subscribe that person to your own shitty little website for $1.50 a month and be milking that person for a cool whatever. You're playing the long dollars con, a year. Andy,
1: and I respect that about you. You're playing the real long gone. Yeah, uh, you know, with that drip, that one dollar drip. Uh, Andy, do we have Maybe time up for, a two dollar drip? Do we have time for two brief wallet stories? Two. I mean, right now it
0: sounds like a, like a daunting wall of wallet stories to be looking at, but I'm going to trust you to deliver
1: the goods on this one. So I had a pair of jeans that had a hole in the back pocket, and I, I was a college man at the time. Rather than stop wearing these pants, I just continually wore these pants in which they would be in the rotation with regular pants, so I'd forget about the wallet hole, and I'd just drop my wallet into my back pocket, which had a hole on it, and it would fall in the street, and it became like a, a test of like the goodness around me, because I had my wallet returned to me like... Eighty-eight times <laughs> That's, that's tempting, like, buddy. You're tempting fate. Oh, so fate, hard was fate was like, tempted. Fate yeah, was tempted. I know you're taking care of me. I know that. I know this fate. You're never gonna fuck me on this one, right? And right? it was drawn. It was drawn to a head outside the, the the liquor store where my wallet was returned. But it was returned. Songs cash. It's like, hey man, are your wallet's over here. And I was like, oh man, was there any money in there? He's like, nope. No, <laughs> no, nope, not anyone. I hope,
0: I hope he was the one who took it. I hope he was like, this guy's, I hope he watched the whole alter, the whole thing go down and was like, this guy is dumb enough to put his pocket in a, in a, in a hole pant. I'm going to take his cash and hand it back to him. Bald faced.
1: This is idiot tax. And you know what? It worked Is that same day I throw those pants at, like in the garbage as hard as I could. Um, while it's those are your, is-
0: those are your ironic nineties pants. Eh? Those are your, those are the pants you wear with your Nirvana shirt.
1: I wish I remembered. They were blue, and they were jeans. Um, I see. Wallet Story The second uh, I was meeting my buddy in the park, and he's like, oh, I lost my wallet. I don't know what happened to it. And uh, he's like, I left it here, and actually I think somebody took it out of my knapsack, and we were in a, a park that had like uh the Coburg Park, actually, that has like the tuck shop and everything. You know the one I'm talking about, Andy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know the one. Well, I, I had seen uh, this on a cop show, And I'm like, it's in the closest garbage can. So I just calmly walked over the the closest garbage can, lifted off the lid, pulled his wallet out from the top of the trash and handed it to him. Money gone, ID intact. Right. You see, at that point, I would have said,
0: Dan, give me my fucking money back. Give
1: me my fucking wallet. (laughs) <laughs> Give me my
0: fucking money back, buddy. Yeah, okay. You pulled that one out. You, you just the thing is is you've done too good a job of sleuthing that down to the point where you've narrowed yourself into the only <laughs> the only person who could have possibly stolen that wallet. I'm like I'm like on an unrelated note. I've just come into some cash. Who wants to go to Dairy Dream? <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck me, man. Well, that's uh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, you went on a, a little dispensary trek too in Toronto today. You've been a, all all over town doing things.
1: I'm a man about town today, and uh, through another desperate um, Canadian blizzard, I drove uh, thirty. It was, stern- I just,
0: I want to underscore this because. We were about, you know, we were getting ready to record the podcast. I'm like, Dan, what are you smoking on tonight? And Dan, there's just a long silence on the other line. I'm like, Dan, you're, you're bankrupt, aren't you? And Dank Dan should never be bankrupt, but he was. I was scraping the bottom of the barrel. And in lieu of doing an episode that was, yeah, Andy, so this week I'm smoking Keef from my grinder. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm smoking the Neapolitan. At the bottom of my, of my sweet, sweet Jameson, Bob, Buddy Jesus grinder. <laughs> yeah, in lieu of, uh, I'm, I'm actually scraping
0: the resin out of my bong <laughs> and giving that, a, giving that a dab. In lieu of that, Dan braved what has got to be one of the shittiest things to drive in, which is a brutal Canadian blizzard to get himself down to this dispensary and, and fill up on weed. That's
1: a dank Dan moment. That's a dank it, damn moment it, for you. Know you know what? I I'm I am a, an achiever uh, <laughs> of cheap and uh, you know an I, I respect our listeners far too much than to leave them high and dry. So So many puns. Such fertile pun
0: ground. Bless you. <sighs> I'm just I, being, um,
1: Let's salt let's salt the earth and move on.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Um I buddy I, you remember last week I was talking to you about my new gaming room? Yes. I do. I com- you're, 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 you're fomenting of a man cave. That's it, man. It has come to fruition. I've got a couple shelves left to put up. There's something uniquely amazing about putting together a game room that I didn't think was going to be there before I had started. Let me, let me give you the ABC on this one. A, I've got somewhere to put my games that makes me like games more. Because here's the thing. Unconsciously, what I didn't realize is every time I bought a game, I knew it was gonna go in a drawer or some unspecified location in my house, and that made me care less about it. It was going to be shamed. It was going to be laid low. That's it, man. That's like, you know, that's like inviting, uh, that's inviting something into your house with no intention of keeping it properly. That's like inviting people over, but you don't have a fridge, and there's no running water, and, uh, you know, and the shitter is a chamber pot. It's like, yeah, come on over for, uh, for dinner. But you got no dinner. You know what I mean? And so what I've realized is that, um, you know, having somewhere to put all my games is a beautiful thing. Because not only can I put my games there, I can put my, like, game-related shit there. You know, that one-off Ryu sculpture I've got sitting in the bottom of a drawer, you know, since university? I can put that on the mantle in that, in it that room. It has a
1: home now. Instead yeah. of adopting young Pepe and then forcing him to live under your stare. He has a place of honor. That's it,
0: yeah, the, the, no Harry Potter cupboard situations here. And then, you know, so that's A. B, I have a place to go that's just about, you know, relaxation. I don't wanna say just gaming, cause you know, my wife and I will jump up there and watch a movie as well. But it's this like, it's this space, unmolested by outside cares and troubles, I can just go and plug into a movie or plug into a quiet, um, you know, video gaming scenario or a really fucking loud one, depending on what I'm feeling. But it's just it's 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 my my fortress of solitude. Let's put it that way. And then finally. I don't have a point three. It was just the first two,
1: but they were good ones, I think. Right. Can we agree? They were great. I feel like you looked upon your former office and you saw not a hunk of marble, but The statue of David that is your new and present gaming room. So the pressing question I have, Andy, is what will be the inaugural Andy Dank Dan uh, game session?
0: Oh, it's a good one. I feel like it's got to be a fighter. I feel like it's got to be a fighter because we got to start it off with a little confrontation.
1: Right. <laughs> we got to get
0: we got to get as angry as possible in the shortest span as possible. Now I think right, um right, right. I'm thinking we'll probably like I'm really jonesing to play a game of Dragon Ball Fighter Z. This shit is everywhere, it's blown up. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Um but uh I think I think that may be the first thing. Come on by. We'll uh, we'll do a couple rounds of Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Are you in?
1: So, I I agree that that should be our first uh game. I accept your most gracious offer. I will bring a snackable, and I think we also need to wedge in after that that competitive, uh, that competitive uh, high energy game. We need to then carry that energy forward into a cooperative high energy game. And I think you should cut your teeth on perhaps your first Dynasty Warriors experience.
0: What do you think? Oh yes, this is you know Dynasty Warriors has some legacy between us. I remember like. 8 years ago you calling up you calling me up um and raving about Dynasty Warriors for no less than an hour and I remember not really understanding what that game was all about. Now fast forward 8 years, I still have no clue what no that game ideas. is all about. No fucking idea. So I think now's the time. Now's the time for me to to have that inaugural moment. Uh, I agree with you and there's a new Dynasty Warriors game coming out as luck would have it. So I think that may be the uh, the ticket. What do you think? Let's let's lock it in. Let's lock that one in, man. Let's lock that one in. I'm uh, I'm feeling it. And um, on one other happy note, I just wanted to let you know, my good dude, I have officially gotten my uh, marijuana medical card. My AMPR uh-huh. registered by the beautiful country of Canada to uh, alleviate some, um, you know, some some elements with uh, with the use of medicinal cannabis. And um, to that, I want to say, a medicinal cannabis. You are a blessing, and yes, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, to all of y'all, y'all folks out there in the states who um, have have states that are legalizing medicinal cannabis. I just, I mean, I can't imagine you'd be listening to a podcast and not be pro cannabis. But what an amazing thing for people to be able to treat some pretty substantial things um, with the use of this wonderful all natural herb. So, uh, my hat goes off to the
1: Canada Medical Marijuana Program for bringing that little bit of light and love into my life. Absolutely. I mean, if if you're not going to go recreational as a state, I think it's the only merciful and and really uh, human thing to do is to to make it medically available for folks that uh, you know have little else to turn to um, other than a battery of uh, let's let's say uh, unappealing uh, pharmaceutical ventures. So uh, whether it's uh, you know dealing with pain or or nausea or, or anxiety, I mean it's, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, should, can't be taken too lightly. We make a crack a lot of jokes here on the squid, but, uh, you know, it is a, it's a blessing and I'm I'm glad that folks have access to that. And I, I got to take my hat off to Andy for finally making, uh, making it official and making uh, Mary J an honest woman. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I mean, you're
0: so right. Like it, you know, and there's such a sliding scale, right? Cause here's the thing, you know, I feel like, and I, I have to speak it because I feel like there's lots of folks out there who are like, oh man, my condition isn't severe enough for me to need medical cannabis, right? And that may be, a—I you know, I would hazard a guess that that's a thought in a lot of people's minds. And listen, cannabis does some incredible things. It doesn't work 100% of the time for everybody. You know, I, I have conflicting reports all over the place. Some people, you know, use it in cancer treatment for everything from pain management. Some people, it just helps you know, spike an appetite when there isn't one for a variety of reasons. Um, You know, I've had people who say, hey, it's really helped me with my Parkinson's. I have people who say, hey, it didn't really help me all that much with my Parkinson's, but it's helped calm down some of the anxiety that's part of that. And it's, you know, there's this huge spectrum of how effective it is. But then you got to look at the opposite side of the coin, which is if it's not relieving 100% of your symptoms, let's assume that, you know, it's not uh, a silver bullet you know, to, to every ache and pain known to man. Cause there's certainly people who take that approach. And I don't know that necessarily that's a hundred percent valid, but if it's even providing some comfort, right. And some relief, uh, and the downside is what, uh, crushing a pizza to your face <laughs> you know and that's the downside then you said it exactly right it is the um it is almost obligatory that you make it at least medically available to folks who you know who who have those conditions to you know to to apply it to and that works its way all the way down because you can have chronic debilitating anxiety that doesn't allow you to get out of bed in the morning and you can just have the kind of anxiety that, you know, that, that kind of interferes with your life in a way where it would be better if you man- helped manage that with cannabis. And you can apply that to everything on the spectrum uh, that this this lovely herb treats. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. You know, and Andy, I, to agree with you there, it's I, I hear folks saying, you know, here and there that, well, if it stops your 10 times a day epileptic seizure, then it's okay. But everything else, you know, you're just using it like you'd use a glass of whiskey. And my counter to that would be, you know, you don't need sunscreen. You know, you won't die without it. But if something makes your life more workable or livable or enjoyable, I mean, there there's a, 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 there's something to better living through chemical enhancement to a degree, um, you know, whether it be a, a vitamin or a, a sweet nug. A sweet, sweet nug.
0: And, yeah, I mean, you know, we've drawn lots of conclusions between – Cannabis and alcohol and listen, there's a potential to abuse just about anything out there, but with the right application, again, we're talking about it from a medical perspective here with the right application, you know, um, I, I just, I believe so much in it. Anyway, anyway, there's our, (laughs) there's our bottom of the heart moment on the purple dungeon squid. Let me take off my Mr. Rogers sweater. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There you go. Oh, and now for our sponsors, this episode of purple dungeon squid is brought to you by video games and weed. Video Games and Weed are one true sponsor since the beginning. Someday, someday, you may be replaced but not forgotten um, by folks who actually cut us a check. Uh, Also brought to you by Rigged Elections. You voted for option overridden. (laughs) As Putin laughs gleefully in the background. Brought to you by Broken N64 Controllers.
1: Sure, your stick might be limp, but you're still my friend, so we're going to play. (laughs) yeah hundred percent um you know you're
0: always giving your buddy the uh the the slightly fucked up controller um because that way when you get into goldeneye you know that he's almost certainly gonna run into a wall before he gets you with his shotgun brought to you by sun Tzu's unreleased
1: cookbook you lose a hundred percent of the battles that you refuse to bring a cake to (laughs) brought to you by weed you spilled on a carpet you know what I know where that hint of dog hair flavor is coming from now. (laughs) I looked up on Leafly, and cat dander is not one of the
0: flavor notes here. It all makes sense now. And finally, brought to you by shaking hands with
1: your boss after applying moisturizer. You feel that? You feel that, Doug? (laughs) That's lavender. (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah, there's not a lot of coming back after that. It's like, you know, he rolls into your cubicle. Um, you've just finished applying and not only do you have like wet glistening hands where a moment ago you were in privacy, but as he touches your wet glistening hands, there's the sense of relief in that nothing truly nasty went on here, but also the sense of disbelief in, did you just moisturize Doug? You know what? My hat comes off to you, Doug.
1: There's only one way out of that, and that's you got to cover the handshake with your free hand, really locked in there, and then finish him off with a wink, or a uh, or a, a sucker punch. A sucker punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's become it's become more of a trial of Mortal
0: Kombat. D- There's only
1: room for one
0: of us in accounting, Jerry. Mr. Jones, I felt you judging my masculinity, and I had to prove it to you by kicking your ass. If, also, if I'm, uh, I think sandal- I believe I'm
1: entitled <laughs> to a 5% raise based on my performance this year. If this rich sandalwood means that I can't be an accounting Jordan, then I'm not going to stay one more minute.
0: Uh, if you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with this nonsense. It's gonna keep coming. That's what your mom said. Wonderful. All righty then, my Dan. My goodness, my goodness, um, Dan. I got to ask you something. You're a you're a gamer from way back, being of considerably uh, advanced age compared to myself, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm at least a uh, fortnight or two
0: older than you. And by that, you mean ancient, old, and, and of saggy testicular disposition.
1: I witness the dawn of man.
0: Those tufts of gray everywhere are betraying you. Uh,
1: just let me get uh, my spectacles. Hold on. Uh, okay, <laughs>
0: let's go. Listen, man... Um, I have to say something, we uh, we talked last week and you chastised me about never having played a Mega Man game before. And so I felt the immediate need, despite the fact that I was in the throes of Monster Hunter World, which is totally totally kicking my ass right now and I'm loving it, I felt such a deep level of shame that I immediately went out and secured for myself um, a copy of the Super Nintendo version of Mega Man X, which I believe is the game that you, reco- you uh, recommended I play, yes? Yeah. It's a good place to jump in. No question. Sure. Sure. So of those, um, of those favorite days of gaming of your, uh, I, can you recall exactly what level of difficulty (laughs) this game has in store? Because to me, I can only call it arbitrarily difficult, like ass blisteringly punch me in the face and call me Susan difficult.
1: Oh yeah? Did you 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 might have accidentally picked hard mode, man? You want to pick normal on the start screen. Did you pick hard? I don't think there is a hard mode or a normal mode. And let me also preface this. Is
0: Is there? Let me also preface this by saying that um, okay, so let let me give you an idea. Mega Man X, I've gotta say, is a charming ass game. I had again never played a Mega Man before, and so this seemed like a great spot to jump in. I was kind of looking around and trying to pick make my choice. You also mentioned Mega Man two as being one of your favorites, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, it is the best Mega Man.
0: Fair enough. But I, I got to be honest, the NES, and I was always a Genesis kid, never had an NES in the house. I think I played Duck Hunt like once with a neighbor, right? Um, so, you know, the Super Nintendo graphics just inherently excite me a little bit more. So looking at Mega Man 2, seeing that kind of old school Nintendo NES, um, graphical element. Just, I, I just, I was more excited about trying X. So I jumped into it and not only did I find that the, the level of difficulty was way over my head. I also then went on the internet to see what other folks had to say about the level of difficulty and discovered that Mega Man X is widely regarded as one of the easiest Mega Mans. Am yeah, I fucking I was high? I say it's quite <laughs> What is the deal? Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to go into the, the an overview of what Mega Man X is. You know, you're running and gunning through a platformer. What I love about this game is that it tells you absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> it gives you a short intro, dumps you into like a selector wheel where you can choose one of, I think, eight robot bosses to, you know, charge through a stage and try and kick their ass at the end. Man, like... I don't know how anyone can say that this isn't arbitrarily difficult. Each of those robot bosses, um, if you're not completing them in a relatively specific order, odds are good you're gonna bump up against a robot boss that is nigh unbeatable unless you've beaten another boss prior to it that has like a special piece of equipment or weapon that you can kill them with. So like I'm playing through this game, I'm getting to you know a boss, I think it was the 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 octopus boss or whatever it is, and, you know, I get to this boss and it's like unbeatable unless you've killed the boss that gives you the wind power or whatever that slices off its tentacles. This this was crazy to me. This was like no hand holding whatsoever. Get in there and run to the end. And if you can't fucking beat it, then you're finished. I, I'm, I'm at a loss
1: for words. <laughs> so, I mean, and I understand your position, like uh, all making fun of you aside. And when I say aside, I'm going to set it right here. because I'm coming back to it. I'll make sure. it fun of you aside uh you know there's a as a new uh, player there's like a well-worn groove in the Mega Man floor and one of them is uh you're going to have to platform your way through this level while shooting bad guys and not getting electrified to your death that that's the basic premise and at the end you're going to have to sort of uh generally memorize the patterns of a boss so as to take him out now the other element here is there's, there is a secret codex that the idea is that you kind of learn through trial and error of what weapons work against what boss. And in every game, you actually have two oppor- opportunities to do this. Because in every Mega Man game, you have to showdown against every boss in the standard uh, sort of uh, levels. And then in the final level, there's a showdown where you have to fight each boss in one sitting in any order you select. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll have all the weapons at your disposal. So the idea is if you didn't already know you have, uh, you know, what order to beat them in, you have all the weapons. so You can kind of figure out what they're vulnerable to, uh, um, sure. you know, and you can tell because when you hit them with the correct weapon, uh, their, their health drops uh, considerably. Now in Mega right, Man right. X, the thing is get, though,
0: is there's yes. no indication about that. So I had no idea cause I've never played a Mega <laughs> Man game. So right. you've got this, like this, like Codex of knowledge of how a Mega Man game what the format looks like to me jumping into this. It's funny because I imagine that, you know I, I have the I have a I have the, the benefit of a completely fresh perspective I've not heard anyone talk about Mega Man in that way. I've not read anything about it So I've jumped into it and it feels like hitting
1: a brick wall at a hundred kilometers an hour. <laughs> it was insane Well, and you know the second element is You're soft Andy you're too it's soft true. It's you're too soft. It, the, the, it's a game that de- demands that you get good. It's not right. just handed to you. It's not going to say, oh, and it, you know, you say arbitrary difficult, uh, arbitrarily difficult. I say Nay, sir. It demands a skill set. And if you don't have a particular set of skills, you're going to get Liam Neeson up and down the street. Now, here's the second element I'm going to share with you that part of the mastery of this game is you have mm-hmm. to adapt the Mega Man grip. And I'm going to okay. use a Super Nintendo controller as uh, the, the sort of layout. So, your thumb, the tip of your thumb is always holding down Y. Why? Why? Because it's charging up your buster shot. Now, sure. as you're holding that down, you're also using the, the second area of your thumb to roll over and hit B for that jump, right? So right. you're holding Y and you're rolling to B to jump while keeping charging, so as to have your your uh, your charge ready at all times. Now here comes the claw. Your uh, either your pinky or your pointer finger is going to curl over and tap that A button to activate that dash. Because in many situations you're going to have to be charging and jumping and dashing all at the same time. E- so exactly. Right. And this is what and so here's what I will
0: say about Mega Man, because I want to I want to pull apart two very different things other than just get good, because I'm i on the same page. I'm not very good. <laughs> like we can could, we, we could put that out there. But I've come to really appreciate this game over the course of the week in which I've been playing it. I think you can probably remember some like Monday texts that went a lot like. Mega man is fucking bullshit. (laughs) That was, that was the, that was the soundbite. And at that point I was really feeling it because, you know, very rarely in modern video games, do you have to run through an extended play session, whether that be 30 minutes to 45 minutes of getting through levels and, you know, trying to figure it all out to get to the end only to realize you've got a very slim chance against a boss because you didn't go to a different level first. That's not really a thing that modern games do anymore. Right. Um. But I've kind of parsed out after now having played the game for the week and gotten a reasonable distance away through it, I've kind of parsed out the two things that I both like and hate. So here it is. I've warmed up to this game and it's probably one of my new favorite games. Let me just get that out there. But it took some time to get to it because there's one thing that's driving me crazy. And that's the difficulty is definitely there. And when you're playing against difficulty, it's fun. What I mean by that is the bosses are a blast because you're exactly what you're saying. You're memorizing the patterns of how they jump. You play a little bit safe. And, you know, after you've memorized those patterns while you're beating them, you feel like a well-tuned machine. You know what I mean? It's probably akin to like a Souls game, although I haven't gotten very far in any of those in that. Getting that pattern down and executing it really well, my, my best analogy is like a wow raid, right? When you're doing that, when you're firing on all cylinders in a pattern, it feels great. But the other half of it is that Mega Man, like many games of that era, rewards only trial and error and requires trial and error to get through a game or through a level. And what I mean by that is you may be jumping around and then something jumps out of the fucking screen and is almost unavoidable, will fuck you up unless you know it's coming. And that shit drives me crazy, especially in a game with limited lives, because I shouldn't have gotten sucker punched in the dick because I wasn't aware that something was coming. There should be some sort of indication so I can you know, react to it preemptively. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what's driving me
1: crazy in this game right now. I, I think that it would be challenging to really prove out the idea that you needed to know it's coming. What well, you have to be is prepared for anything. And you're right in the okay, sense
0: Boy that Scout this, Dang, this
1: game is designed um, for you to kind of learn the levels a little bit. I, I will concede that point. Um, you know, But what's, what's also there is it gives you a lot of tools to recover. So if you dash jump, you're dash jumping, you can change directions midstream. So right. if you don't like where you're headed, you can head turn back. And in a lot of cases you have to because something might, like you say, jump out. Um, the other element here is you're right, there's limited lives. But for a game that harkens back to days of yore, there's infinite continues. And that right. that's a that's a grace from on high.
0: Yeah, I agree. And so here's the thing, I've by and large come around to this game because I'm enjoying exactly what you said. After I, I take the time to go through and master a level, because make no mistake, whenever you hit a boss fresh, there's a good chance that you're not beating it on the first try or the second try or the third try of your way through the, through the, through the world, right? And so you're constantly going back through the level and, and getting better and better and better at optimizing your way through it. I'll give you an example. The armored armadillo, one of the bosses, that level, I've got, I can beat that level in like 40 seconds. Because I've gotten to the point where I know exactly when to jump. I know exactly when to run through it. And getting into that flow feels amazing, yeah. right? And that's what I think is so appealing. But getting to that level of flow is fucking tough. And the other thing is you don't get dash from the onset. It's crazy. Like there's the, the one boss. There's one world, right, out of eight. And again, assuming you know nothing getting into Mega Man X, there's one world of eight. In which you can go into and get the most, one of the most critical, the most critical ability in the game, which is dash. If you don't have dash, it's like driving a car without the fucking steering wheel. You know what I mean? And there's no indication that dash is in that fucking level. So I'm trying to beat all these other levels. I don't have dash. I'm finished. I'm a goner. You know, there's no way. You're just not going to beat it without dash. So ah, that frustration was crazy. Why Why is that level of rote difficulty fun? Do you think it's fun because it's an accomplishment to overcome? Like, how, at what, like, what makes
1: that entertaining at all? I mean, I think it means that the initiated are the Illuminati. Those that know feel like they've ascended to a higher tier. And it's that's kind of core to thing. the, the high, the hardcore gaming community. It's like the willingness to go into this thing headlong and, and, uh, delve into it until the secrets come out now in terms of the bosses i think it's like yeah you you know because you've done it you've beaten some bosses um how do you feel standing triumphant over you know dive octopus i mean so i haven't beaten the octopus yet that that guy has got
0: his tent, tentacles all over me but um you know what the first boss i, I beat was chill penguin and even that one, despite being probably <laughs> again the internet the internet folks will let you know that that's like the easiest boss of all mega Man time, but it was pretty damn triumphant beating it. It took me a bunch of tries, took me the better part of an hour to beat that level and take down that boss, and beating it was yeah was an accomplishment so i th- I think that's therein is where it lies you know
1: yeah and I and I mean you can sort of you can sort of understand that that you know when you're st- your standard victor victorious on this, uh, you know, robotic corpse. It's a, it's a badge of honor. It's not handed to you. It's not, you know, you know, it's a difference between, uh, you know, grade three when, uh, you know, Miss Jensen just wants to get rid of you. So here comes the D time to move on to grade four. You're somebody else's problem. And, and, and a doctoral dissertation, you know, one, one you can really put on the mantle and, and Mega Man, uh, you know, uh, is one of those you can put on the mantle. Yeah, I think you're right, man. And it's true. Like,
0: I think that's something that's lacking from a lot of games that I've played is I don't feel like beating it will matter at all. In fact, having something like a little bit of prestige in the fact that Mega Man is tough to beat even again you know, you call me a Sally for, for having a hard time with Mega Man X, whatever. But the Mega Man series in general, still, you know, you jump into a chat. We were just doing this earlier on in the week, having a conversation in, in one of our uh, Instagram DM groups. And, you know, people are talking about, oh yeah, man, I've only ever beaten Mega Man 2 because the other one is just too fucking tough. Or yeah, you know, I, I I've got X down pat, but like X Two just couldn't do it. And that's still cool to hear because, I think most modern games kind of assume that anybody can beat them. That's like the general design assumption is, and that's the feeling that I get as a gamer is that, yeah, I can beat this game and I'm doing it because the mechanics are neat and because the story is engaging, but anybody could beat this, you know, with the exception of like a Dark Souls or with the exception of like a Bloodborne, right? And so, I mean, do you think that, I mean, modern. I'm not. I'm not wrong, right? Modern games tend to be a good deal less challenging than classics, SNES, et cetera, Right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, and it's not just one thing. Uh, and I think one of the big ones is a lot of games are stories. You know what I mean? And and playing through them is like turning the pages. And you know, a developer knows that the 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 game sphere now uh, includes all skill levels. So for a game that that you know is going to appeal to a wide audience, like let's say uh, uh, you know uh, the the uh, Drake games, what are they called? Uh, Uncharted. 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 You know, at the normal difficulty, they want everybody with a reasonable amount of of effort to be able to beat it. It's not a full walk in the park. I mean, if it's your first gaming experience ever, you're gonna you're gonna bite the dust quite a few times. But, you know, even your dad that has trouble with a twin stick shooter should be able to figure it out, you know, maybe right. by sheepishly pushing it down to the easy difficulty. But, you know, you can get through it. Um, you know, and then there's uh, every Atlas game ever made. They make no such con- concession. Right.
0: Right. And, you know, I mean, so I th- I, but I feel like the trend is is definitely shifting, like at least creating more room for ruthlessly challenging games. And uh, sorry, right. Atlas is the, the folks who do dark souls. Am I correct on that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's some amateur gaming reporting here, folks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like there's games that came out last year, like cuphead, for example, and that's what I'm dying to play. It's only on fucking Xbox and PC, which drives me insane because I just want to play that game. Have you seen, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. Have you seen that fucking
1: game? It looks so good. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of let's plays. I've seen some Twitch gamers, and I see both the fun and the the pain on their faces. And that's something like, listen, if your game is hard but not fun, game over. Like that's it. Right. No one they're gonna put it down. Now, fun is different things to different people. Uh, You know, some people will play through Ninja Gaiden Black, and you know, get devastated by expert ninjas. Um, again and again and again, and find that fun to rise to that challenge. And, and some folks want a more leisurely pathway. But what I like is, you know, games used to be hard because they had to be because it was a requirement. Um, out of the fact that there was only so much that could go on the chip or the disc or in the gaming cabinet, games were shorter and had limited space. So <clears throat> to prevent players from just breezing through them, they had to be really challenging. Right? You know, they yeah, had to sense. sort of keep, keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, a gamer's attention by being, you know, rotely difficult. Um, uh, and I like now that it's optional. So cuphead is hard because they want it to be hard.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And I'm, I'm glad that games like this are starting to exist. You know, cuphead is a good example what you're talking about right there with, um, uh, rote difficulty, Metal Slug, I feel like, was one that pushed too far in the direction of, of at times, being completely unfun. I remember playing that game. There was a collection that came out on Wii that I played quite a lot, and the game was exceptional. There were some parts, though, that were nigh unbeatable, like, like we're just, you're not getting through that without losing lives. And the frustration is, when you feel like you can't, you can't master, um, a, a segment of a game to the point where you're not arbitrarily losing your resources or just getting the shit kicked out of you. Cause the game doesn't give you space to actually be any good. That to me sucks. And, uh, and Mega Man X felt like it was doing that to me at the beginning. It felt like it was just, it was just kicking the shit out of me because it could. And, you know, I mean, the nice part is, is once you figured out some of the basic tenets of it, um, that kind of goes away a little bit, you know, so anyway, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is all just a get good conversation. <laughs> Metal Slug, I take my hat off to you. Maybe
1: I just need to get good. When Metal Slug came to PS2, you could pick easy mode and you could give yourself twenty lives. And I believe uh, Metal Slug came with a default of five, and it defaulted on hard mode. Um, so uh, you know, I I sort of waded into more gentler waters. Uh, so we could, you know, see the end of that particular title. Oh man,
0: metal, metal slugs. Great. You know, I think there's seven or eight of them and I've played through a lot of them. Um, yeah, I mean, boy, it feels like doing difficulty almost is, you know, easier to do in a platformer, like hats off to games like Bloodborne, for example, that do it in a way where, um, you you got some of that rote repetition going on. You've got some of that. You've got to see this level before you have a chance of of actually making it through. And to do it in a way that's still engaging in a three D environment in an action uh, RPG, I think is is pretty admirable. Um, so here's a here's an interesting question: Are uh, are are these hard like are hard games more fun to play? when you're stoned. Cause like I was, I was playing mega man after chuffing a bone and I got to tell you, it was not, it was not a pleasurable experience. I think that was the day that I sent you that text because, um, being in that space of just wanting to feel the flow of a video game and getting mercilessly crushed again and again, did not feel good while I was baked. You know,
1: I do, I do. And I have a theory about this. If you're on the learning curve, ganja is not going to help you it doesn't help me if i'm trying to pick up any any kind of um sort of foundational uh, moves or even trying to pick up the advanced skill set for that game if i'm still in that learning curve um the weed is just gonna slow that down uh it's gonna slow down that frustratingly that, so
0: yeah, yeah it's like I, you you're know, out of there man to grab a bag of cheetos because you're finished e-
1: exactly now but if you already have that mega man claw uh hand position set down, and what you need to do is sort of fall into the groove um and to pull upon a, a skill set that's already there. i think I think the uh, the idea of huffing a bone, I think that's a good one. I think it's gonna relax you. I think it's gonna help you let go of the the tension around trying to uh, achieve whatever you're gonna achieve and let you get in the zone as a yeah,
0: were. you know what I think I agree with you. I think that you're right. I think learning new things is less interesting on cannabis um and sorry not learning new things but trying to acclimatize yourself to a game is more challenging on cannabis getting in the flow however i like cannabis is almost borderline a performance enhancing drug at that point because <laughs> i remember uh, my roommate and i in university so i was a die hard um uh, what the hell is that game called rock band Di- die hard rock band fan and we spent more time playing rock band in university than we did doing anything school related. That's, that's a hundred percent certain. Uh, and I just recall the most extreme level of difficulty. The only way we could get through, I think just let me, let me, let me try and put it out there. I think it was raining blood, right? Um, the Slayer tune, the only way we could get through the solo without failing was after like three bongs and (laughs) you know, three, three bongs would be coming down the pipe. We turn on Raining Blood, and as the song is playing, you're in the zone, like the music is washing over you. You feel one with the guitar. Your fingers are doing things automatically. Your brain is like just pushing the badass autopilot button, and you're getting in there, and you're going to beat Raining Blood. And so, yeah, I feel like in some, in some instances, cannabis can definitely be probably really useful for gaming, you know?
1: Yeah, and or snowboarding, I feel, is probably a performance-enhancing drug over there, too.
0: Snowboarding?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where like, does snowboarding I think, come from? I, I just think that, like, of all, the, of all the Olympic sports that, you know, people talk about doping, uh, dope, <laughs> it could be an <laughs> issue. I think none of them they really are except for maybe snowboarding. I just feel like, uh, you know, being blitzkrieged might help you hit the pipe, the half pipe.
0: That sounds like a scientific uh, a scientific assessment about snowboarding. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know what it is about snowboarding that would uh, that would. But then again, you've also got what's his name, Ross Ribagliati, or whatever the guy who uh,
1: who won gold and and tested positive for weed or whatever. This is this is the thing, right? As as well as uh, Sean White, um, you know. And it's it's funny because uh, all joking aside, do you know what the secret to ultramarathoning apparently is? Ultramarathoning. Like ultra marathon runners, what's that? Apparently, cannabis is a huge little taboo secret. That, that that's that's the secret to it. It's a weed uh, is apparently great for ultra marathoning for whatever reason. I don't I don't have a, a much more for you than that. But uh, give it a googs. check it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, so ultra marathoning sounds like a little slice of hell running while your body (laughs) wants to, to not run is never a good thing. And doing it for a prolonged period of time sounds awful. I guess, you know, weed kind of can help you feel a little bit more, um, I, I mean, I, 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 sorry, I cannot relate to that at all because <laughs> all I want to do <laughs> is sit on the couch and, and play some video games and eat some Cheetos. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see kind of how you can maybe separate yourself a little bit more from the pain in your body and, and, and perhaps enjoy a little bit more of the experience uh, with cannabis motherboard. Actually, um, I'm just pulling a little quote here. Uh, Motherboard says cannabis could be performance enhancing in sports that require greater concentration, improvement of vision for goalkeepers and muscle relaxation. Um, Cannabis smoking reduces anxiety, allows athletes to better perform under pressure, to alleviate stress experienced before and during competition. Yeah, that makes makes sense. So this is a study uh, that was done on the effects of cannabis as a performance enhancing drug. And I think there was actually, I don't have, I cannot recall what it was, but There was actually um, a major gaming competition that was screening for cannabis use during the competition, which is kind of, gets kind of interesting because like, listen, there's a lot of people in the competitive gaming scene who abuse like Percocets. And I know that like Percocets are everywhere. And that that really weirds me out because this is a drug that's meant to treat ADHD and you've got folks who are using it.
1: Not Percocets, buddy. Um, You're thinking... um You're not, Percocets are for pain. They're, they're an opioid. You're thinking uh, Adderall. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, not Percocets.
0: Oh shit! Wait, <laughs> sorry. I sorry. I, I'm. I'm. You can tell I'm. I'm really disconnected from the pharmaceutical drug world because it's just not. Not on my radar. Not into that. Um, but yeah. So Adderall. Excuse me. Adderall is this drug that you know people are are abusing. It's supposed to be for ADHD treatment, but it's been abused in in major gaming competitions by folks who have openly admitted to using it. Um, and you know that falls a little bit more in line with chemically manipul- manipulating your brain into being able to, uh, you know, being able to achieve greater levels of focus and concentration. Maybe there's a case, though, that cannabis can do that as well. I mean, I you know, who, who am I to say? I, I guess my, 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 uh, my Slayer record on Guitar Hero can probably stand testament to the fact that, yeah, maybe some people who enjoy cannabis and play video games will
1: have better performance than folks who don't. Maybe they're right to ban it. What do you think? Um, you know, look at it. I mean, it's it's worth a look. Here's something. Uh, here's a quote from Avery Collins. He is um, a champion ultra marathoner. Um, he uh, he does the standard five hundred kilometer, or sorry, fifty kilometer ultra marathon, but also a two hundred mile race through the Rocky Mountains that Jesus, he won like what in a run time. You, man. Uh I just you you know, personal excellence. I mean, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, okay. Um, personal excellence. More, sounds more like, you know, self hating 65
1: hours of running. <laughs> no. So Just go yes. home with that shit. Yes. But um, I so can, I, can,
0: I could not watch 65 hours of television. Never mind. Never mind running through, you know, the mountains at 65 65
1: hours straight. Go fuck yourself. So here's his quote about um uh, combining marijuana with running he says he recalls his first time says it was amazing it it helps me stay in the moment and embrace what's going on right then and there and uh, he actually promotes uh mary's medicinal edibles uh, a high cbd cocktail for the runners and uh he he swears by it and a lot of other a lot of other ultra marathoners do too so there you go yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me too.
0: Cause I know CBD is used. Um, well, I don't know. I don't want to say often, but there are folks in the MMA circle, um, and, and people who just generally need to recover their muscles after uh, really strenuous 65 hour running marathons, whatever Jesus. Um, and you know, that makes sense to me. Uh, that being said, I just no amount of cannabis, no amount of cannabis could make running for 65 hours. Okay. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, amount. Um, so just to kind of put a pin in the, in the, in the difficulty conversation, you know, I, I think that a return to difficulty or, or an increasing focus on making games that require you master them in order to get through them, I, I like the idea specifically. Uh, Divinity 2 had an article that they did with, not an article, but they did an interview with Kotaku. I want to say it was Jason Schreier, but um, the quote is, so first of all, kicking your ass is important for you to feel important when you manage to kick their ass it's referring to the difficulty of a game that that you know that that is challenging and kicks your ass this is one of the basic tenets of our design it's always possible to deal with enemies that are higher level than you but you have to start exploiting the system when you do that you feel really good about yourself and i like that quote because it's the exploiting the system part that i found particularly interesting because when i was playing mega man I found myself almost feeling like I was exploiting the, every frame of that game, every millisecond of that game. You know, you have to, and maybe it comes down to a question of razor sharp, you know, super tight execution. When, you're, when, you're, when you get to that level, it really does feel like you're exploiting the game against itself. And, and you know, I, I get that. I can identify that. you know that
1: that is very true once you get to a certain point you won't run through the levels anymore man you'll fly
0: you'll barely touch
1: the ground you'll you'll be like tap dancing through them and And uh, then you feel yourself soaring and you get what the game's about. Until then,
0: I'm a fucking dirty scrub. (laughs) 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 This this thing is punishing me. So so, so my full Mega Man recap is I've beaten the chill Penguin. He wasn't very chill. I've beaten uh, the Falcon, the giant Falcon. Um, And I've gotten beaten more times than I care to admit by the armadillo. (laughs) <laughs> armored
1: armadillo armored
0: armadillo so that's now, that's where i'm at
1: and did you get the upgrade in armor armadillo's level
0: uh no oh yeah the heart the 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 life yes my life meter is bigger
1: no just before it's the boss helping. kick jump all the way up right before uh, you go into the, the boss room and you will yeah. find yourself another tank another what another a uh, uh, Mega Man armor upgrade.
0: Oh, I did not know that. I know exactly where you're talking about. I didn't know there was a secret up there. Look at you. This yeah, is buddy. this is what was great about gaming in the olden days before Google. You would you would have the privilege of getting a little tip about a game like that from your old buddy. And didn't does not bring gamers closer together? I, there's uh, only really one. There's only really one answer. We have to yes. take down Google.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> That's the only reasonable conclusion on that.
1: Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Bye-bye, Google. Uh, what did you play this week, Dan? Uh, I, through great pains, uh, played Sniper Elite 4, and it really was an uphill battle. I couldn't get this game to install. Oh! I couldn't get to install. It downloaded PC? the 8 gig patch. It downloaded the 8-bit gig patch to my PS4 again PS4. and again. Again and again, it kept pausing on the install. I couldn't figure it out. I I I was racking my brain. I d- cleared out space. I rebooted the system. At the end of the day, I pulled out the disc. I wiped it down. I put the disc back in, and it installed just fine. No, it what didn't. The bu- what the bu- fuck, dude? You blew in you bu- blew in the cartridge. I blew <laughs> on the cartridge. I <laughs> opened and the closed cartridge. the lid in that special way. I watched your oh. cartridge above the cartridge and then we're off to the race.
0: A little fucking video game voodoo. And let me just say, if you haven't had to <laughs> if you haven't had to go to exorbitant lengths to play a video game before, I don't know if you can call yourself a gamer.
1: You gotta want it, Andy. You gotta, you gotta want it, man. it. And I wanted to deliver the uh, Purple Dungeon Squad uh, a review on this game, so I did. I fought with it for a day and a half to get it uh to get it done. And the the fact that all it needed is a disc wiping that was a little bit, I felt a little bit cheapish, to be honest with you.
0: And one, in one moment you're victorious in another moment. You just, ah, fuck you. Um, sniper elite
1: four. I've never heard of it. Uh, well it is, uh, the fourth sniper elite, uh, (laughs) and true to form. I've played none of the other ones. Um, but this is a gem. So, uh, the setting is 1942. Uh, you're taking command of a uh, a badass sniper uh american um who finds himself dropped into a number of situations that that uh he's got a uh, sort of a broad array of uh objectives uh, usually it's kill a bunch of nazis um and some secondary objectives whether it's you know destroy some equipment or um you know prevent some propaganda films uh from being made or or something of that uh of that nature but it's pretty cool um you know the first level you're dropped in a large Ital- on a large Italian island and the game really gives you uh you know the objectives gives you the tools and then says hey put on your big boy pants because it does not hold your hand it gives you some sort of areas on a map that have some sort of general starred spots and you you kind of have to figure it out
0: sorry how much of this game is so this is like this is like a a defined map action game. Like I, I, if, to me, when I hear sniper elite four, I just think of those like sniping games you used to play at the bowling alley when you're, you know, you, the, the, the arcade style games. So this is not a lot of sniping or is it
1: uh, sniping? Snipey snipes. I mean, I don't, uh, you've said some words. There is sniping. <laughs> uh, you have a sniper <laughs> rifle in all these situations and they yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for long shots against targets um you know but you do have to get in there nitty gritty as well so what it really plays like is um the, m- the most recent metal gear um it, oh. it has yeah it has uh you know the uh movement system uh of metal gear simplified a little bit um you're not doing any crazy dive rolls but you know you crouch you go prone you're trying to to really scope out a situation before you move ahead definitely tactical you're marking enemies um, with binoculars um, and you know, it's funny as you mark them, you, you get information on, them. you get, uh, their name, their rank, what they're carrying, and also like a, a fun factoid about them. So one will be like, uh, like really desires, uh, to buy a car, you know, oh, has no. a brother. Yeah. Has a that's brother too, in the two young children. <laughs> yeah. There's, there is some moments where some of these German soldiers are like, oh, I'm going to clip this guy. And it's like, says like really loves his sister. I'm like, oh, I'm going to send her a nice note has uh, plans to take his mother out for dinner this evening. That's right. And the, the game lets you experiment quite a bit. You know, you can, if you really want to, you can sounds really like
0: a sociopathic simulator is what it sounds dis- like.
1: Dismantle your enemy. You can uh, put the fear of God in them by, you know, blowing things up around them and, you know, uh-huh. ca- causing them of a, a, a total crisis of faith. Um, you know, uh, but it, it it does some things very well like this game has every ballistic uh physic physic in it that you can think of the grain of the bullet comes into uh, play the the size of the jacket comes into play on the hardest difficulty you have to deal with wind um and like humidity Wow. so for those long shots you know on the highest level of difficulty you really got to take a lot of in into consideration. Now, uh, against my better uh, uh, practices, I started this on the regular difficulty and sort of enjoyed some pot shots and, and moved around the map. But, you know, what I love about this game is it's, it's very open. You can move all around and uh, uh, accomplish the objectives basically any way you want. You can run in shooting. You can take out tons of targets up from a distance. Um, you know, you can, uh, then go and close, uh, stealth to finish them off. Um, you know, but it it is, it is challenging. If you, uh, fail to make a shot, there's a good chance that the alarm's going to get set off. Um, it does this interesting thing that when you make a shot, um, it's heard. And when you make a second shot, if you're close enough to enemies, they're going to triangulate your position and, and close on you. Um, and on the harder difficulties, this can like in the in the easy difficulties is not a big deal. You can sort of uh, fight your way out of that. But in the harder difficulties, this can mean uh, your sol um, very very quickly. Interesting. What what I also like about this game is uh, you can use some sniping techniques that I would consider to be very advanced. You can wait for a sound to be present to cover up the sound of your shot, whether it's uh, a plane going overhead, or in the second level, there's gunboats that are going around the outside of the island. So when a boat's going by, you use the, that to cover the sound of your uh, your weapon firing. You can also make machinery uh, malfunction to cause the same uh, effect. And one of my personal favorites, the most devious, is you can set some TNT on uh, trucks or other equipment, move to a second position, and time that explosion to cover the the shot of uh your rifle. That uh, wow. That's that's super interesting. So
0: like when you had initially talked about this, I I in my mind I had imagined, you know, a first person shooter um more of an arcade style game. This is this is extremely intricate and actually really sounds interesting. I like the idea of, of, you know, finding different ways to cover your tracks. It's almost like, it's got like some Hitman elements, I want to say. That sounds like a little Hitman in there.
1: Yeah, there's not quite as much social engineering as Hitman. Sure. You're not putting on a golf pro outfit to, you know, kill a cook and stuff him in a, uh, you know, a freezer. Uh, but oh, there's you a don't know, of that. just
0: read the, read the flavor text, man. Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Actung might, in fact, be a cook. enjoys golfing on the weekends
1: with his family, and uh, you're about to shoot him in the head. Yeah, speaking of games that are sociopath trainers, but you know, uh, not to get too far off the path, you do have to, um, you know, do a little bit of sneaking, do a little bit of hiding in bushes, and you know, uh, distracting guards uh, over to those bushes so you can uh, thoroughly knife them. Now, this game does something too that is very Mortal Kombat. If your shot is good enough, you will see the full penetration path of that bullet. Ooh, a little, a little assassination porn. <laughs> oh, horrible. Um, it's, you know. So when that when you when you do listen, man, uh, we all had kaza. We've all seen some thi- We've all seen some shit. Oh man, no, thank you.
0: <laughs> uh, tell me you didn't. You didn't download some sketchy ass files back in the.
1: <laughs> In the okay, early pineapple. days of peer-to-peer My safe word is pineapple, Bye. Andy. Pineapple. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Go ahead, please. Um, yeah, no, it's um, – it, and it, I have to say, when you are – when you get an opportunity to make a shot across the entire island to peg some Nazi into the back of the head and it takes it to um, the X-ray 3D you see it penetrate the helmet and then go through the back of the skull and out through the front of the eye, mwah.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I just, I'm not like a gore guy. That, that, that right. totally doesn't appeal to me. But the idea around setting up that kill, really interesting, for sure.
1: I, you know, I think you'd have to try it before you knock it. I, I'm normally not, uh, you know, the torture porn type. I don't want to watch Elizabeth Duthku be tortured, you know, in some tank, uh, in some thriller movie that you have to be uh, horribly twisted to enjoy. Um, but uh, what I do enjoy is, uh, is, is pegging some nuts.
0: Yeah, I've seen Hostile. I barfed like a little bitch. Oh,
1: no. Yeah, no one wants that.
0: Ugh, fuck that. No, thank you. Yeah, so Sniper Elite, what do you think? Uh, I mean, sounds pretty beginner-friendly. <laughs> not. <laughs> sounds pretty um, fucking intricate, man.
1: I mean, I think you can pop it on easy mode and just sort of the, the game tells you what you need to know. And, it, you know, you take it at your pace. You know what I mean? Like, you engage how you want to engage. And, uh, you know, the game will give you a little slap if you mess up. So. I do think it's it's pretty beginner friendly. Yeah, and what about uh what about 420? I'll let you know tonight my man, but my my uh my instinct is yeah. You could probably blaze it and I think it'll steady those hands.
0: Oh, there you go, there you go. Um, Well, listen, man, I want to jump into the smoke sesh real quick here. um, But let me let me just uh, let me put a button on on what I've been playing this week and and underscore because I haven't paid any love to Monster Hunter World this week. Seems like everybody and their mother is busy, just absorbed with this game. I'm stoked that this has become a bit of a phenomenon. I'm seeing it all over Instagram on the gaming podcasts that I listen to. Like folks are playing and loving the shit out of Monster Hunter World. Um, I'm using the bow which I'm really enjoying. You know, Monster Hunter typically when I think of Monster Hunter, I think of folks roll, rolling around with melee weapons. It just seems like that's the angle that you often see it at. The bow is really interesting. You know, it's uh it's the the, the ranged element somehow still feels kind of melee-ish. Right? I don't I don't know how to describe it other than the movements that you make, the amount of dodging that you have to do when you're shooting with a bow, doesn't really fall in line with a lot of the other games that I've, you know, come to expect ranged combat from. Um, but yeah, so using the bow, really enjoying it. Have you seen the multiplayer, <laughs> the multiplayer prompts on this guy though? Have you heard anything about that? No. Oh, dude, it sounds so archaic. I haven't played with anybody else yet. From what I understand, though, actually jumping in with friends is pretty challenging. Um, you need to be either past a certain cutscene in a quest at which point you can invite a friend, but it's kind of unclear if they can join immediately or throughout the rest of the mission anyway it all sounds pretty convoluted when you do end up picking up Monster Hunter World though, I definitely want to I want to see if we can plug this in multiplayer style because from what I've seen on some of the streams playing this with friends just looks fucking awesome there's people setting off traps there's people kind of baiting the monster around while the rest of their their fellows close in or hold off other hordes of monsters It is just a spectacle. Looks almost like almost night and day better as a multiplayer game than a single player game. And it's a pretty damn good single player game. So look forward to that. Um, And the other thing that I'm really loving about it is the crafting. So you've played The Witcher, you've played Skyrim, right? You bet. Yeah. And, you know, what I find is that in most RPGs, crafting feels at best kind of supplementary, right? It's not required. It's not something that you wanna do um, necessarily if you're trying to get through the game at a good clip because often it requires learning an entirely sub, you know, system, tree, investing time that maybe you don't wanna put there, maybe you wanna keep it for the, you know, the main storyline. Excuse me, in Monster Hunter, crafting feels central because it's the main channel for earning gear and it makes for like a really it's a really refreshing way to focus content. So a
1: long-term destiny player, right? Um, I mean, I haven't been back since the first expansion dropped. So I mean Destiny one, destiny two, expansion, up to expansion one long term, yes.
0: Right, I understand. But the, the end game loop at Destiny is what I'm what I'm taking a cut at here. Um, you know, with with Destiny, because It's really the only other mainly loot-focused game that I can think of on the PS4. Um, With Destiny, what you're dealing with is waiting for randomized drops across all of the content that you're doing in a game, right? You're running your strikes, you're running your raids, you're getting your engrams, and you're hoping and praying that you're going to get a sweet drop. With um, with Monster Hunter World, the way that it works is you're focused on gathering specific item or specific materials from the monsters you're slaying to craft uh, and upgrade the weapons that you've got. And it creates this really neat sense of focus. and i, I almost I almost want to like compare it, and i I, I know you're you're going to hate that I'm going here, but I almost want to compare it to the end game loop of like a Pokemon game in that you're focused on building out. In those games, of course, your team and you're actively searching out, you know, the Pokemon that you want to stock it with. Right here, it's a similar feeling. You're not just participating in all of the things that the game is doing and hoping equally to be showered upon by the loot gods. You're you're actively pursuing specific ingredients, specific activities um, and once you get that weapon there's really an a to b correlation between what you've had to do and what you've got now and i just i think it just solidifies this gameplay loop that's just super satisfying you know you know what
1: i mean you have a pointed direction towards what you're trying to harvest and and what that's going to do for you and i think those steps are important for any game that has uh you know a graduation system of anything whether it be Uh, Levels or skills or gear, Um, you know, the roll of the dice is thrilling, but uh, I think if it's not focused um, You can want to get off that train and uh, it sounds like that monster hunter does a good job of uh, Keeping you focused on you know where you're headed next.
0: Yeah, it just feels less arbitrary because you know You're doing your thing. You're not just doing a thing alongside right. everybody else and hoping for your result to happen, you know? Yep. So I'm really digging that. Crafting feels great. Um, it, just, it also feels cool to be kicking ass with things that you made out of the things you already kicked asses on. You know, it's got this, it's got this nice little circle of life thing going on, which I'm feeling pretty good about. So yeah, Dan, the, uh, the, the main question is, when are you picking up Monster Hunter World?
1: Uh, I have it on good authority that uh, I might be getting a free copy in my, uh, my future. Oh, yeah? How are you doing that? um i i hear how many hours are you into persona
0: no we're oh, we gonna trot out the fucking persona thing again i'm gonna get it done dan go get your own fucking monster hunter world copy jesus uh, getting me riled up let's flip a coin we'll flip a coin on. yeah we'll flip a coin right after the smoke session i'm winning this bet it's happening Girl, who girl? Lots of information there, um, and that's good stuff. Except now is the time I think to light up a little pipe and uh, go on a little extra-dimensional journey here together. What say you, Dank Dan? I got my helmet strapped on. Let's blast off. Oh yeah, what color is your helmet? It is black. I, I imagine a Ninja Turtle sticker right on the front.
1: Uh, yeah, Kalbanga.
0: Today you are young Dank Dan, child of the nineties. Eater of pizza, master of turtle, sharpener, sharpener of pencils, sharpener of pencils. That's <laughs> what they all say. Um, cool dude. Well, so listen, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to float past a neat little accessory that I stumbled across today. Are you familiar with the, uh, the blunt bubbler? Have you seen these guys before? I yeah. I talked about it on an earlier episode. Yeah. Yeah. High times, um, named it one of their best accessories of last year. You've seen this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've I've peeped it and I've actually taken it to the streets. It's pretty great.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Now, I really I really like these little blunt bubblers. They're cool. You know, you can toss your joint or your blunt in the tip and um, you know, you, you can kind of The thing is is someone asked me yesterday, "Why the hell would you use a blunt bubbler? Why wouldn't you either smoke a blunt or use a bubbler pipe?" And to me, it's like there's this portability factor that these guys have. You can kind of drop them in your pocket. They're no bigger than call it an inch by an inch uh, with rare exception. Um, and, you know, you, you, you jam your joint in the, in the top and you've got a little bit of percolation going on. You get that filtration off of the joint or the blunt that I find contributes to a much cleaner flavor. And um, yeah, and it's also just super portable. Like sometimes carrying a bubbler pipe around, not particularly, uh, not particularly intuitive. Um, but anyway, so MJ Arsenal actually released a little Valentine's Day bubbler in the shape of a get this heart with an arrow through it.
1: Oh. you think you be
0: yeah? And that are you gonna be picking one up for your lady, your sweet sweet lady? Um,
1: probably not. But that yeah, would be a good you know. idea if I was a, a man of greater um you know romance, perhaps. No, I've uh, I've already made my Valentine moves. But uh, you know, I think this is a good pick. I think for the, What's your Valentine's moves, if I may ask? Uh, mind you, mind your business, sir. We're gonna. Have, oh, come on. I I don't think it's uh, appropriate to uh, kiss and tell. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds like some uh, some utterly sketchy Valentine's moves. Um, it's some industrial grade. Um, activities
0: industrial grade loving i love it yeah i I, uh, actually recently um used one of mj arsenal's new uh their new it's not it's it's a blunt bubbler but it also comes with a quartz banger so you can dab off of it right um it's called the merlin it's a fucking like it's it's a lot larger than their normal blunt bubbler so not particularly travel focused which i'll admit takes away some of the appeal uh, but it's cool. It's a recycler. So it's got this, you know, this loop within it that um, recycles and repercolates your smoke. It just looks cool overall and the hits really smooth. So, you know, did a small, small little dab of extract through that fella. And um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it for like a desktop. Doesn't totally overwhelm your space, that, you know, with with uh, with its prominent rigginess. Um, you know, if that's, if that's what you're looking for. So yes, I don't think I will be picking up one of these heart shaped blunt bubblers, but it's kind of neat that one exists. I'm liking, I'm liking the direction this is going.
1: Merlin's gonna maybe have to teleport to a local gaming table near me.
0: Ooh, yeah. Well, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got one. We should, we
1: should check it out sometime. I'm in. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. What are you smoking on today? Dank Dan.
1: Uh, I have some fresh off the presses, blackberry kush. Some blackberry
0: kush sounds
1: like something you'd find in a picnic basket with Yogi Bear. uh, With your Girl Scout cookies.
0: Well, he's a, he got a vanilla kush, which is what I'm smoking on this evening. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. This has been sitting in the bottom. So this is, I, I picked up probably five or six strains uh, in early January. And this one is the one that I've saved for last. And I don't know if it's because it's the one I'm least excited about, or if it's because I'm most excited about it, or if it, because it's because it just sounds like it should be for dessert. Like a vanilla kush. It's the kind of thing you have after your three course meal of white rhino, Girl Scout cookies, and oh, I don't know, pink kush, right? Um, so I'm excited to give it a try. Uh, do you want to start cracking open these nugs? You want to get to the heart I of it? I think
1: it's the right thing to do. And it, it sounds like we have a uh, little bit of a dessert themed strain sesh here.
0: Yeah, blackberry and vanilla. Look at that. Look at that. We're a bunch of uh, just a bunch of old bacon ladies. What can I say?
1: Mm, bacon Ooh. ladies uh
0: not bacon ladies like not not don't the fresh side of pork ladies it's not it's not for you okay to do. fair enough <clears throat> well let's just let's let me bury my piggy snout into this fresh bud so i've got a very flat bud and i don't know if that's because someone sat on it <laughs> or if that's just the nature of this bud but taking a look at it it is a little popcorny. Like the way it, the way that it presents itself is, um, is, is. It almost looks like a, a series of wavy wrinkles. If that's, if that's to be believed, um, the hairs are a very faint brown. It's almost hard to differentiate them against the bud, but they're uh, they're there. They've got a little bit of brownie oranginess to it, but it's a very pale color, not particularly pronounced. Cracking it open, this bud is. It's pretty dry. It's a pretty dry bud. It doesn't have that fudginess that I typically love out of a nug. Um, that being said though, the smell is nice. Let's see. Let me get in here. I'm actually going to grab some of this ground material and see where we're at. So here's what I'm getting. And you're going to, you're going to check this against Leafly, right?
1: Oh yeah. I should do that.
0: Oh, I'm not getting too much of the vanilla. Let me just, let me get deeper in here. Um, I'm getting like a faintly sweet Flavor going on here, and if I were to if I were to put my finger on it, it would probably be like the sweetness that you get off of uh, that you get off of, um, like a Werther's original. Hmm. You know that like that like faintly. I don't want to say well, yeah, a little bit caramelly, but like not particularly vanilla focused. I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, although inhaling deeper the very end of it the very tail end i can see where the vanilla comes in so yeah i'm going to say a little bit caramelly faintly sweet and i got some vanilla notes in there and i'm going to go ahead and spark this if you want to tell me uh, if you want to tell
1: me about my vanilla kush well andy uh, leafly tells us that this indica strain comes from arnie's farm in amsterdam and clinched second place overall at the 2009 high times cannabis cup for the coffee shop and seed company oh a little dual purpose company there it's bred from afghan and cashmere strains and is a beautiful gift to the set it's like a
0: nice afghan rug yes
1: with her notes of vanilla lavender and a hint of citrus
0: you know what the lavender is totally there so just puffing on this a little bit here i'm getting the lavender and when i said werther's original i i totally should that was that was just my tongue playing a little trick on me because this is lavender through and through i got lavender i got a little bit of vanilla at the end what was the other one you said um it was um
1: citrus a little hint of citrus on the back
0: this is a super pleasant strain to smoke on. Very like a little peppery in the back of my throat, but no, no, um, no desire to cough here. Really nice and smooth, and it's settling in. Just a treat, just a little old English treat. I got to be honest with you, Dank Dan. Can I be honest with you, buddy? Break it down. Rolling into this smoke sesh, I was a little tired. I've been tired of this podcast. I've been a little like, you know, a little like, ah, struggling to get my energy up, struggling to get my brain around it. But vanilla Kush has seeped into the corners of my mind like a sweet hug. It's hugged and hugged. And now I'm feeling in a space where I just want to be here, man. Got the warm and fuzzies, do you? Yeah, I got the warm and fuzzies, buddy. And it's it's this like gentle euphoria. And you know what? Euphoria is a hard word to put on this because it's not just a euphoria, it's a shift in perspective. It's like it takes off a layer of stress that you got going on just enough so you can sit back and take a look at your situation from a different light. And for that, vanilla kush, for
1: that little insight, I salute you. Fantastic. Let me get down on this. Majestic butt, even. This this fella. The butt I have looks like the head a burmese python it is bulbous in points and uh it is uh quite rounded and uh this thing is so well crystallized it looks crunchy and uh crunchy yeah this it's it is at least 50 percent trichome heavily heavily trichomed and the the bud itself is actually dark in spots which is apparently typical of the uh the blackberry, my, my sweet bud tender, was telling me. And, um, you know, I got a nose on this just as you're talking, and I'm going to revisit it. Very, very classically blue blackberry sort of scent. And as I sort of peel it away and, and ground it a little bit, there's a smell of hot gas coming off this thing. Gasoline. Hot gas. Yeah, just, Ooh, got a little of that diesel funk. Yeah. gasoline. I think that's a song. Yeah, I think it's a, a song, too. And, uh, I mean, there's some earthy notes in there, too, <laughs> but, um, boy, the berries there. Um, and I assume nice. on the, on the flavor it's going to be very similar. But let's let's get in there and do some empirical testing. Oh, yeah. Buddy, I don't know if you can tell, but
0: my energy level, and listen, this is an indica, so, but my energy level has come up from a level of deficit to, like, just feeling in the groove. Oh,
1: exciting. Tell
0: us about that flavor.
1: It's it's a mild smoke. It's actually pretty accessible. Oh, it hits in the back. Oh no. Oh no. Ooh. Oh.
0: Oh no, you're going down.
1: Yeah, it, it hits in the back. That you're going
0: down, down in a blaze of glory. Like
1: a, a the, the the pleasant light blackberry, but it it hits like a a, a truck in the back with that gasoline. I had some stank um, yeah.
0: hiding under the, the surface. Yeah,
1: it was uh, it was waiting for me to let my guard down and lower it. The I old did. black lungberry. Ho, ho, ho. So t- tell me what Leafly's got B- on the... Blackberry
0: is a popular strain known for its balance of an active sativa buzz and the high yields of plants due to its indica size. Side. Side. It was bred in 2009 by a Dutch company, Nirvana Seeds, as a cross between a black Domino clone from the U.S. and their own raspberry cough. Flowering happens between 9 and 11 weeks, and plants will have a tight leaf structure and frosty, frosty buds. Indoor growing is recommended, but be warned blackberry plants are pungent. This strain has strong smoke that can have a fuel smell, but it is dominantly fruity. Yeah, man. Yeah, you settled into that one nicely. I picked the easy uh, one. Sweet and earthy. Yeah, I mean it's true. Like uh, that that one was was uh was a pretty pretty heavy note in the right direction, but you still gotta give it to yourself for, for locking in that palette.
1: And give it to Fritz. myself I oh. shall.
0: Ah, there you go. Give it to yourself. Always good wisdom. Um <laughs> Fritz06 says, this blackberry indica is the bomb. Smells sweet, tastes great, and to get a great couch lock for movies, I usually take it right before bed and get a good night's sleep. It eases my panic and stress levels to where I forget I have anything to worry about. Definitely a top 10 in my home. And do not drive or operate any heavy machinery while using this product. Good advice. All right. Good advice. Up top Fritz 06. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to take that legal
1: advisory. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Fritz 06, doing it right since 06 apparently. Um cool, man. How's it hitting you? Are you How are you feeling?
1: Oh, it's uh, falling around me like a uh, uh, heavy mist and I can feel it uh ah. Shooting down from my corpus callosum down to the base of my, let's say, fourth intercostal rib. And, Dude, uh, you're using science
0: words and it's doing it for and, me. And
1: uh, um, it feels like maybe a half a gallon of cold, thick, dark paint is being poured down the back of my skull down to my neck. And uh, it's a cooling sensation that uh, I appreciate at this juncture. Yeah, it's like when someone drops
0: a whole tub of sunscreen down your throat. Oh, I see you've been to Fire Island. <laughs> Just, I'm, some might even say I'm still at Fire Island. Deep down. Deep down where the undergarments grow. <laughs> um, <laughs> boy, Oh, Dan, we had a listener question this week. I got to tell you, this Vanilla Kush is very quickly creeping into my top 10 strains. The the flavor on my palate is still a lingering vanilla. Like it's like I just licked the underside of a vanilla plant. You know what I mean? It's like I've crawled into the cool shade of a vanilla tree and I'm eating a nice cold vanilla ice cream while vanilla floats through the air under a vanilla sky. You know what I mean? There's that going on. And um boy, we had some, I don't know where I was heading with that. Vanilla is a uh, bean. Let me just, Isn't that weird? It is a bean. It is weird, super weird. Like,
1: have you ever seen a vanilla bean? In, like on pictures, not ever in the wild. Um, and like I've eaten a lot of beans in my time. In the wild, man. In the wild. Like I've had, I've had <laughs> I don't my mean in the wild. I've never seen I don't the mean in the like, wild. Wild. Like, <laughs> have I seen a vanilla? You're out
0: hunting vanilla, <laughs> vanilla grows in in off in far off places.
1: Sometimes, so you have to know this. sometimes Madagascar, sir. Are you sure it's in Madagascar? You, Let me. I'm Googling okay. this. Well, how about before we Google it, you make a small wager before you question me at the heart. No, no, no. I'm done with betting. Oh, against come on, it, man. Let's make 17 <laughs> more. Not.
0: Madagascar vanilla is very much like the definitive vanilla. So why, um,
1: I'll just give why you. Why question me so deeply? I'll,
0: I don't know. I have this you know, this inner desire to question you, Dan. Google should charge money to
1: Google against things I've said. It should just come up. Well, what did Dan say? Go for that. You know what
0: I feel like, I feel like if Google charged money to Google, the world would be a better place. I feel like there'd be less frivolous googling going what's on. What's what do
1: you think? What do things- you think the the amount would have to be? What's what's the fair amount to like not be oppressive, but to make you like really double think that google and like when you read Uh, it's got to be a buck a buck even at a quarter 25 cents when i googled and like learned what ubiquitous meant i would like memorize not just the first definition but like the origin and uh, the pronunciation key you know what i mean like commit some of that stuff to memory because there's this is the fucking thing right when things are readily
0: available and there's no consequence when we we live in a world of no consequence man you can you can have instant access to any fucking television show you want. You can have instant access to any video game you want. You've got decades and decades of video games accessible through ROMs or on digital platforms that you can just you have so many options that is anything really special anymore, man? That's the, that's the that's the real challenge here. And it's why I believe in buying video games because it's the only way. I mean, listen, outside of the ethical considerations of compensating people for their work, but from a consumer's perspective, it's the only way that you get the opportunity to appreciate something, you know? In this world of like, hey, here's some fucking painstakingly created content that doesn't stand out because it's adrift in a sea of content. Paying with your opening your wallet and voting with your dollars is the only way that I can get my brain to pay enough fucking attention to the things that I'm digesting. Here, here, you know, giving something
1: some like understanding that something has weight. You know what I mean? Yeah, it has weight. And it's funny because when something traveled through the air for free, you risk it having no weight.
0: Right. That's it, man. That's that's it. You know, it's like I had, I had a, um, a PSP, a friend gave me a PSP that was preloaded with like every Genesis game to known to man right? And to this day, I have no interest in playing Sega Genesis because at that one time, the entire Genesis library was trivialized in my mind. I jumped from Genesis game to Genesis game, trying to settle into the groove, but never committing long enough to each game to care about it. And the availability of that content, the inconsequential availability of that content made it inherently less valuable to me. And so Genesis, I'm sorry for polluting your games in such a way. And I'm just committed to valuing the content that I'm about to digest or consume. Or both of those are the same thing, really. Yeah.
1: Well, buddy, uh, what I would say is that you you hit something so strong there. And just to play devil's advocate, I would say that the potential of love in the universe is infinite and that relates directly to art and if to navigate the infinite sea of love and art that exists in our our galaxy in in potential you need the rudder of monetary capitalization I would suggest that maybe you need to jump into a new ship El Capitan What does this new ship look like? Maybe It's treating every miracle as what it could be without the dollar figure to let you know. So, you know, if it's a list of a thousand games, you know, really, really, when you dip your foot into that ROM, really drink it in, really get in the seat of, I might have some gold here. Now, you still also, as a warrior, must have your blade up ready to cut down some real horseshit because if you've ever had this <laughs> the, the six hundred thousand game setup, like if you go to try and play street fighter what you'll find is there are a hilarious 300 street fighter roms no lie because not only is there every edition that every ever existed and i hear you saying dan that's beyond every port for every version that ever existed ha 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 no nay nay my friends You are uh, forgetting the version of Street Fighter, you know, turbo that someone has tripled the speed on. Now you can go triple nine and 12 times. and The one that has done a sprite swap with, uh, you know, uh, Barbie action figures, uh, you know, someone who's... You're always bringing it back to Barbie. What's there for you, Dan? There's a ROM is what's there. There's a Street Fighter ROM. (laughs) And I'm just saying, like, you will wander into some confusing lands like with being able to travel any, because uh, my Xbox One was hacked, or the first Xbox, and it was like, there's a confusing land of regionalization and games out there that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, le-
0: legal disclaimer, Dan's Xbox was hacked by the hack gnomes that came in the night. He had nothing to do with
1: it. Right. Um, it actually it, it coalesced itself out of the earth, willed itself into existence. Yes. No, uh, actually, yes. Andy, I have as all good things I six hundred thousand individual ROM copyright waivers, so they, they really were oh. a challenge to <laughs> gather.
0: But well, really, you
1: you own you own all six hundred thousand of those. No, games, not they're so just the copyright good. was waived, at like they do for the Smithsonian. I see.
0: Right, God gives. <laughs> well, you are a veritable pinnacle of archival knowledge, so it all makes sense. I mean, you got to put that Street Fighter Barbie somewhere. I want to put a pin in the money thing. Like I think money is just in this instance, I'm using money interchangeably with um the the will to commit to something. You know what I mean, and I just you know money is one way to say, "Hey, I'm committing to this thing, right hey, I'm committing to this to this game. Hey, I've gone to the trouble of sourcing out this game, sourcing out the version of the game I want, paying you the money that I work to earn, and that's my way of committing to myself on this game, money or no, right and so i I just mean to say that. Instances in which I've been presented with so much choice that, you know, the, the, the need to commit to something without, um, sorry, the need to commit to something in order to experience it, when that's not present anymore because of the myriad of options you've got, I'm, I'm understanding for myself right now that, taking the extra measure to, uh, <laughs> to actually make a conscious decision to engage with that thing, whether it's by paying for it or not, um, is the only way that I ever get the return on that content that, that I want to. So yes, yes, extra important to be mindful of the things that, you are, uh, that you're taking on
1: um, in this very variety-filled world. I hear, here, I well said. I, I think you're right. Ultimately, and then I, you know, I it makes me think that the way games get delivered to us through, uh, you know, the channels of legitimate perp, perp purchase, and the time and with which they're available readily, that meters something about the existence. You know, there's a reason why um, uh, event or uh, Horizon Zero Dawn came out the same. Seriously, <laughs> it almost came out. But you beat this game, now, right? I you wanna, beat Horizon Zero Dawn. Because whenever I think right? Horizon, my brain says event on the front of it i can't help you spent like
0: 50 hours with horizon zero dawn to only (laughs) still
1: refer to it as event horizon zero dawn i love it (laughs) i love it so Um, much you know but i find myself asking myself if i had a button that said one game or every game which one would i push because you're right you know uh, being attached to the infinite continuum of games that are out there can be paralyzing as an experience. It is. It's, does this game even matter, man? Right. Which is like
0: funny, but also true. It's like, does playing this game even matter in the throwback diaspora of games that are out there? You You, know, this is the shit that you ask yourself when you're taking on a new game, and it can steal the joy sometimes. You
1: can't can't ask your buddy, like, did you play the Toli Choka Dorca number three, but the palace, switch one? And he just looks at you like, what? He's like, "Is it good?" You're like, "No."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how those two thoughts were connected. <laughs> which which ones? <laughs> my thought and yours. Oh, it seems like they just zoomed past each other, like
1: ships passing in the no, night. No, it's just that like that you lose. There's something lost in there. You lose the context of even being able to share it with someone. Sure. I, uh. We got some. We have some listener questions. This oh week, no! Which <laughs> did we hit the rocks that bad? Was... bad. <laughs> Just head first into it. We're man. gonna cut. Like, we're uh, gonna uh, cut let's... thirty seconds before that, so they don't send the men in white coats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, men in white coats. I salute you. Uh, listener question from Stacy. I've recently been seeing weed offered in the form of honeycombs. What is this? I assume it's along the lines of shatter, but I'm not really sure. Just wondering. Love the show. Thanks Stacy for sending us an email. Much appreciated. Always love to hear from the purple dungeon squad at large. Um, Dan honeycombs. Have you heard of them before?
1: Um, yeah, they, uh, very often come in, um uh cereal boxes with like a bear on the front. Oh, the bear. Yep. Who could forget the bear?
0: Was he the one who was always getting fucked over by the kids or was that the Sugar Puffs guy? <laughs> Are they the
1: same? Uh, unfortunately, getting fucked over by kids is like a pretty normal trope for uh video game or sorry, for <laughs> cereal box characters. Cereal. So, cereal. Uh, it's true. They're always getting fucked by the
0: children. Yeah, the what leprechaun, is that all about? Uh,
1: the Lucky Charms leprechaun. He, he gets it quite a few times the tricks bunny is
0: getting fucked over
1: all the right. time These tricks are silly for kids. rabbit
0: the tricks are for kids like and he's just like dude like seriously like there's endless amounts of tricks there's no scarcity of tricks in, in what this cur- world. let a rabbit have some
1: fucking he's tricks. one of those mythical characters whose life is pure horror you know what i mean he wants right. all he wants is tricks nobody nobody will let him have it and he shows addict levels of like uh codependency on tricks.
0: Just mania surrounding tricks. But yeah, the, the children are always trying to get the sugar puffs and then I I, I just with well, a honeycomb bear is the same thing. No, there's, it's not the bear. The honeycomb. No, the bear is the sugar puffs or the sugar crisp. Can't get enough of that sugar crisp, right? He's the jazz bear. But the um, the honeycomb cereal has the honeycomb monster. You remember?
1: Yeah. Honeycomb, honeycomb. He oh, honeycomb. Right. He's like or whatever. somebody wrote like Tasmanian devil on the whiteboard, and they said, "Yeah, but like, don't get sued by Warner Brothers." They're like, "No problem, no problem, no
0: problem." Yeah, I I feel like he's always getting fucked over by the kids too. Count Chocula, nobody is, no one's messing up, uh, messing with Count Chocula. No, he will end you. That's it. He will he will equalize you. And Tony the Tiger, he's just he's just like your he's like your dad turned into a tiger. And he's
1: the rock. He he's Wayne the, the Rock team. Johnson. Sure. In kind
0: of tiger sure.
1: form.
0: Yeah. And then you know you got Toucan Sam, and that guy's just fucking whacked out of his mind all day.
1: What is, what's his jam? He's always he's always following his nose.
0: He's following his fucking nose. And at some point, you got to say, "Listen, Toucan Sam, take it down a notch with the nose I- thing, people." Are gonna shoot so you.
1: So, when I forget, when Tugan Sam finds uh, what he's following his nose to, does he also eat the Fruit Loops or is he just like a, a kind warden of wayward souls to Fruity Loops? That's a good question. No, I think he's just the
0: spirit animal. Right. Of Fruit Loops. He just lands he and lets you jam upon it. Just follow your nose, children. Yeah, it's pretty uh, So nice
1: fist bump can sam for being a good dude um it, it's it's very these things are very close to the true horror of frosty the snowman like the internal horror of knowing the rabbit is not going to get his tricks and he's like he when when does frosty learn he's like sorry frosty i know you sentient man thing but you're gonna die when you melt in the in the summer and he's like well can you bring me inside uh, seems like a lot of work sorry frosty <laughs> you're just gonna have to melt to death Oh.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Kids are terrible. And uh you know, cereal mascots are all kind of the same person. All right. Well anyway, back to the the lovely question that Stacy posed to us. What is weed offered in the form of honeycomb? I, did we not honeycomb, just answer that uh, or <laughs> No, there was there was <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to that somewhere in there.
1: We didn't even go close. All right, let's we circle did. back. Stacy, your, your, your question is important to us. Let's go. Honey, crumble.
0: <laughs> your call is important <laughs> to us. Please wait. Well, the next available representative with uh, three seconds of attention uh, gets to you. Uh, the crumble the crumble in the jungle is the answer to your question, Stacy. Honeycomb is um, a... Uh, one way of describing what's known colloquially as crumble or wax uh, which is similar to a concentrate like shatter or butter Um, but crumble uh, generally has more moisture I want to say that's the reason that it's the consistency that it is it's basically like a crumbly waxy I've just said crumble and wax so many times but a crumbly waxy kind of thing let me see here. A popular way to make wax into crumble is purging for a longer time at a lower heat, which preserves more te- terpenes and makes for a better tasting concentrate. And that tracks well because I've had some crumble before sprinkled on top of a bowl. That's that's how I most often see it consumed. Whereas, of course, shatter um, is most often dabbed. And uh, there's just a really pungent flavor that comes from that crumble um, that's pretty nice. Uh, What does it say here? Crumble wax is difficult to handle, so it's often a less desired concentrate than shatter and butter, but it's still the preferred option of many tokers. And I have to imagine that um, that's kind of incorrect because shatter and butter... You know, again, generally speaking, you're uh, you're you're dabbing those fellas because they have a countenance available to do that with. Crumble is a little bit l- more challenging to dab with, so I, I feel like it's more favored by folks who are, are going to be smoking herb. So they're kind of different things. Long story short, crumble wax is a is a good good thing um, for if you love flour and you want to top a bowl with that, or if you know you want to just have something of that consistency that you can crumble into a banger, I guess, or or it, which is probably not the preferred method of consuming it or, you know, maybe sprinkle into a joint. Um, But that is the answer for your honeycomb. Somewhat unfocused,
1: but nevertheless true. I'm fascinated. Now, would you you, uh, load this into a vaporizer?
0: I don't know if you can put crumble in a vaporizer. I don't think you could I mean you could definitely put it in a sorry, let me let me rephrase that. You could probably not put crumble into an herb vaporizer, even though it has uh more of a the consistency like a, a, a consistency closer to herb than to shatter, for example. Right. Um, but you could probably put it into an extract vape. So when I was when uh, I was reading most a... extract vape pens are for are for wax or oils. Right. Uh, and and this this Falls in, under the under the heading of
1: wax, I'd say. When I was reading the uh, briefly about this, I, I they talk about a, a higher concentration of terps, and I wonder if that makes the um, sort of the odoriferous and the flavors come through more strongly. Because you know, uh, I I wonder if that translates. Like in my mind, it, it tells me I would taste more blackberry for my blackberry and more lemon for my lemon haze, which makes me interested to try it. And I think I've heard of. Um, People shaving a little bit of of, of um, the the crumble into their vaporizers on top of some flour, and you know I've right. never tried it. It seems to me you maybe gunk up your device. Um, but uh, if you're feeling brave, get in there.
0: Yeah, take a risk with that three hundred dollar vaporizer. Just don't come back to the purple dungeon squid when it's uh, when it's all gone to shit. All <laughs> but- warranties <laughs> voided. All warranties are voided. Speaking of Terps, um, Leafly actually has this. I'm just, just sitting here looking around, typing in Terps in the search bar. <laughs> Leafly actually has um, a pretty sweet little chart here available. Uh, it's an infographic on the different terpenes. So they've identified uh one, two, three, four, five, six different terpenes and the dominant flavors and aromas found in each of them, which is kind of neat, and they're also tied to effects and this makes sense because those are i guess are the building blocks of what you know what is what makes up a strain. This is actually a really cool have you, have you seen this yeah
1: I have and actually they 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 have two articles that i've i I've read that are uh, written by some ace contributors um one of them was uh uh bailey ron's uh article and the other one is their their resident breeder guy and I, i'm trying to remember his name he's on their podcast um and he it escapes me presently oh it's uh jeremiah wilhelm i believe wilhelm i believe maybe he's not on the- oh jeremiah yeah, yeah. he's uh, his no, he article is, he for sure is, is on the podcast is tremendous so they they put up a chart though
0: yeah, yeah, they put up, so the, I don't know if this is tied to the those specific um, articles that you read, but for example, it's this wheel chart, and it breaks down the six different types of terpenes. You've got limonene, humulene, pinene, linalool, cariophyllene, uh, myrcene, or myrcene, or myrcene, I have no idea, and um, yeah, those are the six of them. And for example, limonene, as you can probably guess from the name, is responsible for those citrus, lemon, and orange aromas, um, you know, the, uh, ju- juniper, peppermint, let me see, citrus rinds is what they reference. And, you know, that's responsible for an elevated mood, for stress relief. Obviously this is the, the terpene that you would find in like a lemon haze or something like that. Um, what other, uh, lemon haze or like a, I can't zoom in. Oh yes I can. A Bubba Kush or uh, a sour diesel, right? Uh, you've also got like linalool, which is floral and citrus and spice, um that really hard to pronounce one is pepper and wood and spice so it's it's just it's cool because when you're when you're trying to describe cannabis it can be challenging sometimes right cuz there's some nuances in that flavor where i feel like every week we get the big buckets in relative fashion but the little nuances are are you know Mostly bullshit and a little bit, (laughs) a little bit subjective. And what I mean to say is, they're all completely, you know, based on our own tastes and memories and preferences, right? Um, But it's neat to see these big buckets, so you can start pulling from those six different terpenes. And you know, when I'm thinking vanilla, that probably falls, I I would say, probably falls under the category of maybe like a myrcene, which is musk, cloves, herbal, and citrus, right? so it's just, it's, it's an interesting, an interesting chart to be able to refer to. And, and, you know, it branches out into the different strains and it's just, it's fascinating. The more ways that we can break down and classify cannabis, the more interesting it becomes. To Yeah. Be, you you, you know? start
1: thinking of them as schools of thought, places to get started. Like, you know, you hear karyophylline and you might be not be able to say right away. Oh, that's. Is that how you say that? Yes. how uh, It might be pepper or spicy, but you know, it starts to really let your brain block it up. And you're right. You can get some of the, uh, the, the bold ones like lemonine and pining out quick. You're like, oh yeah, lemon and pine. Like that's all oh, that. That's easy to pick up. But you know, there's there, when you get into some of the other ones, there are some ser- seriously nuanced, um, olfaction things that can go on here. Taste is so nuanced interesting.
0: Nuanced olfaction. Yes.
1: That's your crossword word of the day. Write it down, underline it twice.
0: It's going to come up. Actually, if you put if you put nuanced olfaction in a crossword, you're just a dick. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's terrible. Nuanced How would you what would be the hint for nuanced? Uh, you'd- that's the that's the point where Murray, who's been playing the New York Times crossword puzzle every day faithfully for the last sixty years, that's the point where he lights the New York Times on fire, throws it into the fireplace, and goes upstairs for a nap that will hopefully last for eternity. Well, see,
1: that's what you don't know about uh, Murray is nuanced olfaction is Murray's street name because he can uh, detect any lady's perfume and tell you the brand and uh how low it goes and that's M- murray's special talent so they, they actually refer
0: to him by when way. i become a dj yeah. i'm gonna be dj nuanced all faction
1: yeah you're you'll be huge in uh germany for sure
0: i'll i'll be no i'll be huge in a small subdivision in northeastern germany S- splitslania nope <laughs> splitslania get ready guys i am coming some new games are coming out, Dan. Have you seen Shadow of the Colossus, the remaster? I
1: have, and they've done some beautiful upgrades on the graphics on this guy. Uh, is This is a, like the, yeah, it's stunning. the third edition, the third system it's been released on, and uh, two and three, and you can see them step it up on each of them. And I believe this is full 4K, like HDR business. Sorry, this is uh, this this has already been remastered before? Yeah, um. I don't know if you call it a remaster. I think it was released on two and then three. And yes, I get between two and three. There's a graphics jump. So and then they they did it again oh, on PS4. Oh, I'm
0: sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. I see. I got you. I understand. And I, I. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never played the original. Have you?
1: I like I said uh, in episode nine, I believe I I played it for an inordinate amount of time at a demo kiosk. I think outside of Sears. When oh, it came in for PS2. The now
0: defunct Sears. May you rest in peace.
1: Yeah. Yes,
0: that's no no moment of silence for Sears. I'm sorry. Back to Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, the only time I saw it played, and I think I'm again echoing episode nine, but was when I watched a shitty movie with Adam Sandler in it, and he was playing it for right, a few right, moments. Right, right. And uh, and that was. It looks like a great game. I, I probably won't pick this one up if I'm being completely honest. Um, something about the sense of scale in it just doesn't really appeal to me. It feels like God of War with really really big enemies. And I've always had like a thing about really, really big enemies. I don't know. So uh, no 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 cogent thought. So Stacey, to answer your to me.
1: question, this crumble wax you're seeing in the honeycombs is what you want to feed a thousand foot rock monster to really lay it low. Because while they're magic, they also have a weakness and, and it is that crumble. Thanks. Thank you for writing, Stacy. Yeah, there you
0: go. A little wax. For the giant. Um, Dynasty Warriors 9 is coming out. So, you were talking earlier about Dynasty Warriors. What the fuck is it?
1: <laughs> Dan, go. Um, so, Dynasty Dan, Warriors. I know you like I, it. Let me tell what you the about fuck is nine Dynasty Warriors. Um, you are a Dynasty Warrior, which means you're uh, a Chinese hero of yore, and you are um, wrecking face across the provinces that oppose you in China. Well, normally, with the way that 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 takes form is um you are uh, free running through battlefields that are usually meant to be historic recreations but that's really where the history ends after the location and and maybe some of the names you you basically uh control a character that can ha- easily uh thrash his way through 24 to 50 guys at the same time you want to build up like oh. 800 hit combos and you know, um, a lot of the times your focus is on capturing points of the base in a way that uh, keeps the enemy forces from overcoming your forces. Because you know, if, if you in the battle, your your forces just get overwhelmed because you didn't close, uh, you didn't take down the fortress in the right way. Uh, you'll lose anyway because your your army gets routed. So it's um right. That's basically, it. and then you just have delightful, um, you know. Uh, uh, Asian style gameplay mechanics. So you pick up food and it's a, a, a either a, a meat hawk or like a steamed bun, you know, so that's, that's a right. classic Chinese touchstone uh, for the culture and, uh, you know, things of that nature. And they, there's, uh, you know, long historical backgrounds you can read about every character. I think most of them have, every character has their own ending. The, new, the newest game having 85 characters like they're not messing around.
0: Eighty five. Sorry, you can play eighty. So do you? Sorry, do you pick one character for the whole game, or do you like recruit them, or what the hell?
1: The answer is so many things. Some of them you can you can pick right off. I mean, this one I don't know. They might unlock them as you go. The Dynasty Warriors has done so many things. Dynasty Warriors has has had versions that have a risk type game on top of them, like your actions taking over battles have an effect on a map of China and it's like a, a live risk game, uh, dynasty warriors, empires, like they've tried out a lot of things while always keeping the same game format. And dynasty warriors is because it's that it's either a game that people love or it's just not for them. I love it. And it's, it's, it's only because it got under my skin back in the PS one days. And I was like, Whoa, I'm thrashing, you know, a bunch of dudes at once and you're storming a castle and those gameplay mechanics work for me. And there you go. So uh, 9 departs from the um, format in a couple ways instead of individual battle maps. Sorry, has
0: the format been the same for 8 editions oh, and now they're changing it in 9?
1: No, they they lock in a core mechanic and then they try things that, that, that alter it. And this is one of those things. I think the thing they're trying is open world.
0: Oh, open world. So this is an open world right. game too. Right. So that's the... Th- it's an open world mass battle game?
1: Yeah, I, uh, that's what they're pitching, man. Like you I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> they they said that, that does not compute. And the press release is from I will I don't know how this publisher is pronounced. Is it K-O-I? K-E-O-I?
0: Uh, I can't see the name. I'm not going to try and brutalize it. Let me see. Let me see if I can get this. I'm going to call on my deep Chinese knowledge. I, I, this is a Chinese publisher ostensibly?
1: Yes. it, it is it has a Mandarin Total voiceover. If you wanted to listen to the whole game in Mandarin, it's there, pal.
0: Sure, sure. Cannot find the name of the publisher K-E-O-I, anywhere. K-E-O-I, I believe. Uh, K-E-O-I. Is- oh, yeah, here we go. It's Koei Tecmoa. Mo. Tecmo. Koei Tecmo. There we go. I think I got that one right. I haven't heard of this company before, which is why. So the developer is Omega Force. The publisher is Kuei Tecmo. Yes. What else do they publish? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. This is not Chinese. It's a Japanese video game company, which makes more sense because that looks like a, a Japanese word. I don't know what phonetically the, uh, you know, the Chinese. So it's a, um, it's a
1: Japanese, um, it's the Japanese distributor or the the studio. K- Kawaii uh,
0: Tecmo is Japanese. Kuei yeah, tec- it is. Kawaii Tecmo. That's interesting. Ah, they make Nai. Oh, interesting. So Nio is one of the games they made. Hyrule Warriors, which makes sense because it's basically, um, a, from what I understand, a Dynasty Warriors set in Hyrule.
1: Uh, they made the Ninja Gaiden series, yes. and it's and Dead or Alive. It's interesting because Kawaii is known for its historical simulation games based on the novel Romance of the Three Kingdoms. So and Oh that's a Chinese property. And that that is that is one of the things they're acting out in the Dynasty Warriors games. Like I believe.
0: Oh, actually Omega Omega Force is um is a, is a division of Koei. I'm sorry. I thought Omega Force was a different publisher. I mistook them for someone else. They, I just want to say though, published Winback. Do you fucking remember Winback from N64? Is is that like a shooter game? No, Winback is like n64's metal gear solid it's real
1: weird. Mean, this is the second time I we're drawing a comparison summon there. a picture of a guy in blue shooting on a train
0: e- e- i don't know about a train no it's it's set around a uh, it's set around a big industrial facility sure. um that game was exceptional and got completely overshadowed by metal gear solid to the point where i don't even know if Winback has the same kind of following or cult following that you know like a Metal Gear Solid has from back in the day. But for me, Winback back is like synonymous on so the same level as Metal Gear Solid. Really enjoyed that game. It's a little more arcadey, um, but it's it's got some it's got some cool stuff going on for sure. Uh but yeah, no Dynasty Warriors sounds really interesting to me. Um we should definitely play it together and report
1: back. Yeah. And it, it, they uh, yeah. And this this Dynasty Warriors thing, it's always felt like somebody's pet project with, like, beautiful amounts of polish. And what you got to love about somebody who's made 9 to 15 games that are very, very similar, you know they've gotten some of the stuff just down, and there's nobody else that can offer a better historical uh, recreation with a a, a player for a story and attacking hundreds of enemies at once uh, than you get from Dynasty Warriors. They do that the best. Mm. They've cornered the market. Yeah. Kway Tecmo knows how to make
0: dinosaur Warriors like Murray knows how to play crosswords. Get in there, Murray. Um, Get in there, Murray. Yeah, it sounds great, man. I'm excited to see this open world mass combat game. Can't even fathom how that's going to work. I actually have to say the Chinese history angle. Like the historic, the quasi historical battles element, and uh, from what I'm reading here, they've actually modeled a map of China, which I'm not sure how you know to scale or how that works, but because obviously China is an enormous <laughs> landmass. Um, but uh, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how they how they render that. Um, but yeah, the the historical angle is really uh, an interesting one because, of course, China has an extremely rich history, which is rife with all sort of bat, sorts of badass mythology. Um, you know. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to excited to see how that materializes. You know what? You know what always also, got me as right? as
1: missing. There's no gang, Genghis Khan in Dynasty Warriors, and I thought maybe there should be. Genghis Khan, well, relevant. Give him a call. You're not in in. Dial up your old bro, Genghis. Hey, Genghis, get on the tip. Yeah, Genghis, come
0: on down, my friend. They're uh, remaking Secret of Mana for PC and PS4, and
1: Xbox, I think. Nice, I saw that. That's Brad. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, I have secret. So so full disclosure, I had no idea that Secret of Mana was a multiplayer game. I have this game for my Super Nintendo. I haven't spent enough time with it, truth be told, although it is an exceptional game, of course, um, 1993. So that's cool. Um, but uh, Secret of Mana is being redone and the results, I'm not, not sure how much I like them. I'm not sure I like the uh, the 3D nature going on here. It's It just seems... Seems a little strange. What do you think?
1: Uh, you know, I fall in love with sprites in games, right? Especially yeah. ones that I feel I have that um, that nostalgia for. So, yes. it, I mean, it strikes me as as I look at it, I'm like, ah, oh, it's got that cartoon vibe mm-hmm. uh, replaces that sprite vibe that we know and love. Um, and I think that if you're new to the series, I think you will probably it'll great on you less. If you've never played the Super Nintendo, you won't have that. It'll probably just be a, a great game, but I think I might be with Andy out in the cold on this one looking in and wishing what could have been.
0: Yeah, I just like and listen, you know, you're not re-releasing this kind of sprite-based game for the uh for the PS4 with as much of a splash as if you, you know, 3D render everything. So that makes sense from like a putting something new out for people to digest as opposed to just trying to reissue a 2D game, sprite game on a, on a PlayStation. Um, but, you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm Google Imaging right now, and I'm looking at the sprites of, uh, of Secret of Mana, and I'm looking at the remake. And to me, the sprites are infinitely more where I want to be. So, listen, I'm sure this is going to be cool. I don't think it does too much that's new. Um, Secret of Mana remake. Yeah, I don't think there's too much new that's going on there. Uh they have the multiplayer which has been retooled and uh, uh I'm sorry I can't I don't know exactly how uh da, 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 da. new features wait for it wait for it waiting uh waiting 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 uh additional features such as full voice acting and a new soundtrack
1: that's interesting Ooh, voice, acting. voice acting that that's a blade okay. that can cut both ways
0: Yeah, I don't know what else is there, but it's it's local multiplayer just like the original. I had no idea the original was local multiplayer for the longest time. Yeah, the longest time, because you pretty much just like plug in a controller and press start, and away you go. Uh, Didn't know that you could do that with a friend, which makes it way cooler, to be honest.
1: Infinitely cooler. That's that's a game that you don't get to play two player. Like it's just you just expect that. Like someone someone's like, let's play Final Fantasy. You're like, is it two player? You're like, oh. Yeah, nah, not nope.
0: nah, dog. Yeah, Secret of Mana. Yeah, so listen, uh, what I will say is this remake has remade me want to play Secret of Mana the original. <laughs> wordplay. So I don't know if that's the intended... Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, wordplay. The f- foreplay of the elite. Bayonetta 1 and 2 Bayonetta. is getting released for the Switch. This is the this is the last one we'll talk about, but um, have you, did you, so you didn't, because you didn't have a, did you have a Wii? I'm making assumptions. Here we go. Hey, oh.
1: um, I think it came out on PS4 as well. In fact, I know it did. And um, I didn't play it. And it's one of my greatest regrets. I will be circling back for Bayonetta.
0: Interesting. Yeah, Bayonetta uh, is coming to PS4 in yeah, September. Um, there was PC ports. I don't know when the PS4 one came out, but ostensibly it's been out for a little while, I think. Mm. Um. Expected in November 2017. So I don't know, you know, uh, I certainly haven't played it either. Um, Bayonetta looks really interesting. It was originally released for the Wii and it stars this this extremely... um, Over the top? Let's just... Yeah, let's say over the top. This is an extremely let's call it sexually represented female protagonist empowered. who i'm who i'm ass- <laughs> empowered that's that's yeah there you go i'm sure, i mean I'm, i mean i'm i'm reassured that this is uh, this is how they're representing this female protagonist um and her high heels are machine guns naturally her outfit is made from her long black hair and can be let's call it displaced sure <laughs> at moments. Uh it just it sounds crazy and over the top. I'm also assured that the story is complete flaming garbage, not super good. Um but this third person action game
1: looks pretty interesting. Flaming garbage nothing. So yeah, the a- story is just replace all the story in your mind with just wailing guitars. Just thrashingly wailing guitars, (laughs) buddy. I wish. I wish. You know that's the kind of
0: game that's self-aware enough to just say, "You know what? We tried to make a coherent narrative, but all we want to see is a lovely lady shooting some angels or demons or whatever with her high heels." So here, enjoy this thirty-hour-long guitar solo, and then you play a video game. I'm I'm really aboard aboard that train, aboard that rock train, engineer. Punch it. Right in my teeth. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, Whoo, goodness, goodness. Did you? Oh, did you see this? uh, This situation where a Girl Scout, an enterprising young lady, this article on Mary Jane is talking about um, a young Girl Scout parking herself outside of Urban Leaf in San Diego uh, and selling. Get this, three hundred. Three hundred boxes of cookies in six hours. Yeah, that is
1: that's amazing. Yeah, and that's because that that's is amazing. The most cookies that would fit in the back of her mom's Tercel.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. This 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 little girl. I mean, let's assume that a box of cookies is what six bucks, five bucks from the Girl eight Scouts, bucks, eight bucks, eight bucks. I feel like it's eight. Mm- this enter. Let's assume it's five. If it was five, this enterprising young lady generated fifteen hundred dollars in revenue in a workday for the Girl Scouts. My hat off to you! Not only little girl who bless you for that entrepreneurial American spirit, but also bless you, stoners, for buying that many. That cookies. girl's going to camp. Let me tell you that. Let me tell you. So there's actually a little bit of a hubbub going on here. Um, I know Urban Leaf tweeted this out. Uh, Get some Girl Scout cookies with your GSC today until 4 p.m. That's kind of <laughs> cute. And they've got a little photo of the, uh, of the girl selling them outside the dispensary. She's wearing a little cookie mask. or Actually, I think she's just straight up wearing cookies on her face, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, but there's actually some people who are, who are hating on this, on this enterprising little girl. And to that I say, settle down. Settle Mm -hmm. down, guys. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a little girl who has taken the opportunity to set up in a spot. She understands the retail adage. I don't know how you say that word. Adage. 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 There you go. The retail adage of location, location, location. And she's selling where people are buying. So hats off to you, hustler. And she also did it under the supervision of her father, so that's that's everything is above board here, in my humble opinion. Wouldn't you agree, Dank don't Dan? Don't worry
1: about this Girl Scout; she's going to own the dispensary in six months. Yes,
0: yeah, so this little Girl Scout is going to be a very rich woman someday. Um, I think that's cool. Some people, yeah, are hating on it a little bit, saying that it's inappropriate or whatever. I just, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, um, Evo. So Evo, have you heard of Evo? The gaming. Uh, tournament that
1: happens in the summer yeah they uh, they uh, host a, a number of different games yeah oh
0: do they I, I have i actually don't know i don't like i don't watch a lot of competitive gaming streams um during the 2018 broadcast tournament organizers joey mr wizard and mark markman julio briefly touched upon oh here we go touched upon the reasons for get this so you know who's been snubbed at the party Daniel. yes sir Black Panther. Yup, yup, and I think that's the only person I can
1: think of here. Who else is in Marvel versus Capcom Infinite? Well, I'll tell you who's not. Not the X Men. I'll tell you who's not in it. (laughs) None of the fucking X Men. And if you say you have a Marvel game for me that doesn't have Wolverine in it, then you don't have a Marvel game for me, sir. Like, what is the thinking there? No, you own the license to Wolverine. Uh, you don't just not put in fucking Wolverine. Man, it's a divergence because they don't own the the license for uh, X-Men. They're a recent acquisition who's, uh, whose licensing has been a little bit floating around. Because as you recall, uh, there is no mention of mutants in any of the Avenger movies. And there's a reason for that because those two uh, universes haven't been owned by the same people until very recently when Disney bought them all under the Disney wing. But for the longest time, Fox owned a Marvel, or uh, sorry, owned x mens and every, any reference to the word mutant. So uh, they, oh, really? those houses Fox? have been kept separated, and uh, they were included on the uh, previous Marvel vs. Capcom entries by Disney, uh, Hook and crook and deal, and now that now that uh, they've gone through another another ownership, they they may have they may reappear. But um, Disney Disney is very cagey with their IP. It'll be interesting to see what what gets let to go where now that they're all into the House of Mouse.
0: Yeah, boy, that is a, that is a, an accurate summation. And um, yeah, it looks like so this will not be included in this very major uh, fighting game tournament. Um, what will be there, however, is Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which the whole internet is just simultaneously salivating. Meha Meha. Me, ha. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, similar to last week, I mentioned it earlier on in this episode. It feels like Dragon Ball Fighter Z and Monster Hunter were the monster, no pun intended, releases of January. And it's still like just sending shockwaves. I'm hearing about Dragon Ball Fighter Z all the time. And I gotta say, just watching this game. The animation in this game, the visuals of this game, the way they handle finishers, the w- everything is so cinematic, the way the camera pans around just makes you want to play this game. Such a secret ingredient. When a game looks cool when other people are playing it, that's when you jump on the fucking train. And Dragon Ball Fighter Z has absolutely nailed this. I feel like watching this in a tournament setting would be just off the chain. Um. I feel like that would look
1: amazing. Um isn't that right? And uh I saw a guy on Reddit who demonstrated what you're just saying by he's just like every every moment of Dragon Ball Z is like a background photo for your computer. It's like 50, you know, background photos from one fight and you're like, "Oh wow, like at, the visuals are just that stunning. Every moment is a win." And yeah, you know, that puts puts you on notice. If you take a a game and mess it up, you know, The community sees that and they see you, you know, uh, make your Marvel vs. Capcom without core characters and then try to feed out bonus characters through DLC, you know, for through a season's pass. It's like, mm, no, 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 for a hundred bucks, Andy, a hundred and fifteen bucks.
0: You dream. Well, I heard they had a really bad collector's edition, really bad collector's edition. Um, Infinity, yeah, I, oh, right, I'm just looking at it here, Jesus, did it, in, it included Easter eggs, like, literally, multicolored eggs, the, uh, what, I, am I looking at this, or am I just fucking high, what is this? Those are supposed to be
1: the, uh, chaos gems, the, from... Uh, this looks like Gauntlet. something you
0: buy in an adult novelty store when you're trying to experience, experiment with all of your nether regions.
1: Yeah, and they didn't. They they didn't. <laughs> not they good. didn't live up to the fucking hype on the box. On the box art, when you buy them, they look like shining gems. In this collector's sure. case, they look like Easter eggs.
0: Yeah, they look like straight up Easter bunny droppings. Not for me. Thank you. Um, but it's interesting because Marvel versus Capcom dominated Evo for a good long time. I think there was an eight-year stretch where it was one of the main games, right? Or maybe the main game. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to me because, like, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, looks so cool. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. That's coming up soon. Um, but it looks so cool, and yet the fact that it's appearing on the roster in lieu of, Mar- or maybe not in lieu of, but um, where Marvel versus Capcom is not, uh, says to me that this is not only a beautiful looking game, but it's that one-two thread of beautiful looking and extremely competent in its gameplay, or at least that's what I'm hearing. So, uh, I'm really stoked on this game. It's got me, it's got me lit up in a big way
1: to to, to play it. You know? Yeah, buddy. See you in the man cave. Yeah, who are you? Who are you?
0: Oh, I think it's team based too. That's one thing that we haven't, or that I hadn't heard until now, because they're comparing the Marvel versus Capcom. Um, uh, game to it. Um, the clips that I've seen have always been a character versus character, but um, apparently you can tag in uh, up to I guess two other characters on Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah,
1: that's right. And they, it is yeah. is kind of a borrowed mechanic from uh, the tag fighter nature of uh, Capcom, which is oscillated between two and three characters and having call-ins and different things. But yeah, absolutely.
0: That's never appealed to me. like the the calling in supporting characters to me just feels weird because I just want to specialize in one fighter and go from there. But I can get the appeal, like you know, having those extra tools to bring in and bring to bear. um you're you're also you've got this meta uh, of of matching character for character and when do you swap them in? And it also, I guess, makes things a little bit more homogenous because if you got one or two dominating characters they're still not going to be the ones that are always on screen because they're paired up with presumably different other characters you've got more chance at a more diverse game i guess
1: you also solve the problem of you know picking first in street fighter like if you let the other person pick first you know i pick uh e honda you're like i think i'll be dalcine you're like ah you know but when there's two or three characters to pick with call-ins that that really vary it up it's it's harder to to automatically you know just play a rock paper a game of rock paper scissors where the opponent you know has to choose first or you know you get an idea you know there's a little more complexity in the combinations of matchups you can get
0: yeah no that makes perfect sense to me that makes perfect sense to me so yeah maybe it's it's time for me to try try a, a fighting game like that outside of the traditional skin of a street fighter um so yeah, I'm uh, I'm really really excited for that game. Who? What else do we have going on here? Uh, Destiny announced a major expansion pack at the end of this year. There's some other expansions that are coming between now and then. I don't know the significance of this, other than because um, we always knew they were launching more expansion packs. But from what I understand from this article, the Destiny executives are are very uh, optimistic about the uh, the audience. Um, coming round and and continuing to push through um, what some can only be or can, what some would describe as a really lackluster first expansion pack, um, and they're you know air quotes the usual listening to the uh, to the community and making changes in a big way to ensure the game has the same lasting success as Destiny One. Um, yeah, about status, it's about what I expected. You know, the the Taken King, I believe, was the expansion of Note that came in and kind of elevated Destiny to the lofty position it was at before Destiny 2. Would that be a fair assumption?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, when they say sizable, they're not kidding around. Um, they have more than double the amount of PvP maps in this release that the original, I believe, are six. This one comes in with seven. Um, you know, it, it's one of these uh, drops where they're basically doubling the content, it looks like. Um, they're adding a club.
0: Sorry, this is this is. Where, where, oh, you found some facts on the actual expansion they're talking about at the end of 2018. That's right. Oh, interesting. Okay, sorry, I didn't. I didn't see that. That's that's cool. So so there's a tangible um, example of what they're expanding and ostensibly doubling the content at the end of the year. But what's going on in the expansions between now and then?
1: No idea. Um, I about. don't think there. Don't necessarily think there is. Is it three expansions? Yeah, there is. Is it three expansions no, yeah, this year? uh well i
0: know there's one coming in in may right that's true i believe may
1: yeah there is one in may
0: and then there may be one coming between then and the end of the year which is what we're talking about here i don't know like listen destiny 2 is either going to be improved by its content releases or it's not as it stands right now we've talked about ad nauseum how we kind of have no no interest in playing it but this is a game i really hope bounces back please prove me wrong destiny Please pull a Destiny one, and then stay there, and don't do the same thing when you release Destiny three. Can we all agree?
1: Oh, sorry. Was that direct, directed pointedly at me? Well, there's only two of us here. Well, and I, can we I all? think there's an entire uh, Purple Dungeon squad out there. But uh, I heard the nation screaming that's right, through the gently. background. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of kept my eyes down off Destiny a little bit there. Um, I'm actually I'm gonna revisit when the big expansion drops, just like I did with the Taken King and was pleasantly surprised. And, uh, I just think this is part of how this, this developer is able to put out content. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's good enough to warrant a second pass.
0: Yeah, I dig it, man. I dig it. And you know, again, I'm rooting for you. Bungie, do something to destiny two to make me care. Um, man. So before we, uh, we've gone a little long here. So before we're going to wrap up the show in a short little while, Uh, That being said, last week, and I have to apologize because it's not just last week. It's pretty much every show we ever do. At the top of the show, I'll often say what is going to happen in the show. Um, And I would say nine times out of ten, we forget at least one (laughs) item on that fucking list. We get to the back half and we're like... You know, talking, vibing, smoking, and something gets left behind. So last week, I really wanted to talk about a – that's that's not going to change, by the way. Yeah, no, we we promised a bill of of goods,
1: and we're going to slide one of those items off the checkout counter and see if you notice.
0: Yeah, exactly. Next week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Andy becomes the new president of the United States in a dramatic coup organized against the current administration. (laughs) Fake news. That one – Maybe admitted. Um, (laughs) Americans view marijuana as less dangerous than sugar. Fascinating high times Mm -hmm. and not entirely unforeseen, but it's just it's an interesting way to frame and put into perspective the conversation and for cannabis and legalization. Uh, According to the results of this poll, which was released Friday, um, January uh, 23rd, I guess, Oh no. Sorry. Uh, ooh, got my facts all twisted up into a big old fact. Scratch knot. that. Reverse it. Got a fact. Got a fact, pretz, fact pretzel here. Uh, Let me work it. Something throwback and reverse it. 60% of Americans polled said they favor marijuana legalization, which is an increase of 5 percentage points from when the news organizations asked the question in 2014. But the biggest shift appears to be changing perceptions of what substances are dangerous. So this is fascinating because, listen, a 5% increase in the last four years of Americans polled saying they favor marijuana legalization is an interesting stat but it doesn't present as a particularly relevant increase the number was just already high to begin with people were like in 2014 yep you should legalize weed and now five percent more have said yes but it is interesting because now we're drawing or this this poll again published um by the by nbc news and the wall street journal um this poll 41% of participants said tobacco was the top killer, 24% said it was alcohol, and crazily enough, 21% identified sugar as the most dangerous substance on the list. Only 9% of poll respondents said cannabis was the most dangerous substance according to the poll. So you've got a poll where the American people have said that sugar, probably one of the most widely used um Most acceptable drugs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, given to our children, um, you know, put in their snacks, uh, put in our drinks. You know, it's just sugar is everywhere. And you have... Uh, sorry, 15% of Americans identifying it as a greater risk than cannabis. And so, you know, it's just, it's a fascinating conversation. Um, the other, (laughs) the other element is some might say that marijuana is a gateway joke or a gateway drug to sugar. (laughs) 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 So you know, that's kind of interesting. Um, You know, I I don't know if you can necessarily have one without the other. Maybe if you've got super discipline. As for me, these Swedish berries are probably happening a little later. But uh, but yes, it's just it speaks to the fact that America is more or less, by and large, ready to accept cannabis among its stable of acceptable use. I
1: like uh, I like what it what it got. What it got edged against? It's like sugar got put in a list with like tobacco and alcohol, and you wonder what else. I wonder if firearms were in there. Like, did they? What else did they include in this? This these moving oh, targets yeah, of most dangerous things. You know, sugar gets a tough rap because it's it's not sugar's fault that that it's supposed to be relatively. It's it's in many things, but it's supposed to be relatively low. We just we got in there. And we chemically figured out that we can put sugar in everything <laughs> and it makes it right, taste better. Yes. And like everything's like, we can put it in things, it tastes better. Let's just do it. It seems like a no brainer. What, what a cruel twist of fate that it's just like, oh, nope, it's killing us. It's killing
0: everybody. Diabetes, yep. Obesity, yep. Heart disease, yep. Oh, yeah. He- sugar is a documented and verified killer. It's not
1: called live
0: no ooh, gee shout out to anybody with diabetes
1: uh don't know how much further to go on that one but fuck sugar you're gonna listen <laughs> butt sugar uh, listen we're rooting for you uh you know it's uh it's a good discipline we should all pretend like we have diabetes really except for the insulin part but the rest of it we should all role
0: play diabetes RP. to live healthier longer all lives the time.
1: Yes, sir. Yep. And
0: on that note, we have come skidding and gliding into the finish line here. past the breakaway. Yes, indeed. I've, I've dashed myself upon the rocks, picked myself up from the detrius, detritus, 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 detritus detribulitum. Re, re, recombinated yourself, reconstituted everything about me, and here we are, finding ourselves at the end of a great long podcast. Shall we wrap this puppy up, my friend? Uh, that we shall. We're gonna wrap it up with a bow, put it in a box, and hope that it has enough air to survive until Christmas morning. Well, it will be opened by happy children. Ta-da! God, listener questions or games you want us to play. PurpleDungeonsquid at gmail.com.
1: And get at us with those uh strain recommendations. We want to know what you're smoking and what we should be picking up. Uh point us in the right direction. We'll follow our nose. And while you're doing that, Tell a friend about your favorite pals, Dan and Andy. Let them know the good Andy Dan. Let them know the good work they're doing down here. A dandy bunch
0: they are. Ah, indeed, indeed. Make sure you also follow us on Instagram at Purple Squid for plenty of weed, plenty of video games, plenty of photos of video games and weed, lots of cool shit like that, some fun discourse, and maybe, you know, some, some zany hijinks. Who knows? Until next time,
1: keep it. You say keep it, I say dank. Keep it. Dank. Keep it. Dank. There you go. Fuck, I am high.